tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007, a free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call, and Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show, the Wexford Hospital fire, and uh, we're inquiring what emergency plan is in place to cope with a similar incident if it were to happen in Tipperary. We'll be speaking to lovely Cara Darmody in just a few moments' time. A Tipperary family may have to go to the UK for medical treatment for their son. We'll hear from my old friend uh, Joe Noble and uh, we'll be chatting about all sorts of stuff. We have farming news with uh, Katrina Morrissey and we have Muriel Cuddy of Marito. 8020 talking about eating disorders in children and indeed live music in the studio today with uh, Nina, singer, songwriter James McGrath towards the end of the uh, programme. So all of that and much, much more on the way. Now this week, every day we have a €100 Euro voucher to give away in association with our friends at Aramont Furniture in Nina. That's based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp 083 We're giving away that voucher, by the way, uh, to celebrate the fact that uh, Aramont have a brand new range of garden furniture in store and they're inviting you in to check it out and to have a chat with them. And they also uh, specialise in uh, bedroom and dining and uh, living rooms and uh, sofas and accessories and all sorts of stuff. And they've been doing that for about 25 years. So they have the hang of it, so to speak. So 1800-938-007. Text WhatsApp 083 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Quick look at what's making headlines in your papers today. The Irish Indo and right across the newspapers today, their front page dominated by a photograph from that Wexford hospital fire yesterday and they're telling us that more than 200 patients were evacuated yesterday evening from Wexford General Hospital after a major fire broke out in the building's machinery room. The Indo also telling us today that the state-owned energy companies uh, like uh, ESB face the prospect of a new levy on above-normal profits to help households offset their soaring energy bills. To the Irish Examiner, and again that story of the scramble for beds as 200 patients evacuated in Wexford yesterday. Also the front page of the Examiner dominated by a picture of Brendan Gleeson and uh, he's saying, who knows what will happen, but for me the Oscar nomination is uh, thrilling and we're delighted for him. In fact, um, it was only over the weekend I finally got to see Banshees of Inishir and, and I loved it. Now, I know there's a lot of criticism, uh, particularly from Irish people, about it. I thought it was just fantastic. I thought Colin Farrell was incredible in it and uh, uh, Barry Keown as well, just really, really super. But uh, I'd love to know how you feel about it if you got a chance to uh, see it. Also on the examiner today, the government has been told to put pressure on the gas and electricity companies to pass on uh, falling international energy prices to households as a new report revealed that 450,000 people had to go without heating their homes, which is just disgraceful and awful and all of that. The Irish Times leading with that story that uh, about 1,900 AIB borrowers uh, secured private debt write-offs of more than 90% since their financial crash. Uh, crash. The uh, uh, 
uh, bank has disclosed all of this, of course, in the wake of that controversy over former hurler DJ Carey's deal with them. And uh, again, coverage of Wexford Hospital there. Finally, a look at the Irish Daily Mail. And uh, again, that story that the bank gave 1,900 people a 90% debt deal. Also on the front of the uh, Daily Mail today, good golly, Miss Holly. And that's where referencing uh, Holly Carnes, the new leader of the uh, Social Democrats and uh, her performance in the Doyle uh, yesterday, um, getting a lot of applause as well. So that's a quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to comment on any of that. 083 311 Now, 12-year-old Cara Darmody from Art Finland spending one day a week in Leinster House in a continuation of her campaign to secure better services for families dealing with autism along with her dad. Now, Mark, I'm delighted to say they're in studio with me. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Hi, Fran. Good, Good morning, morning Fran. Hi. I'm so delighted to be in studio with you well, again. Well, we're delighted to have you in studio because it's been by phone over the last few weeks and it's not quite the same, is it? It's kind of... Kind no, of, it's, it's not a, the same because difficult. I love seeing you and person because you're my best friend <laughs> well I'm delighted to be your best friend tell me about the outfit that you're wearing today because I was really showing my age earlier on and I didn't get it tell me about this oh yes so today is world book day so of course since it's world book day I'm dressing up so I decided to dress up as um where's Wally where's Wally okay where's and Wally? this this is a game you were telling me is it it's a book, and right. there's many books. There's like loads. Of, I think there's like fifteen or twenty of them. It's based, there's probably more, but I only have fifteen or twenty of them. Well, not only, but you know. But um, it's basically where you like ha- open the book, and there's this guy called Wally, and basically it's where you have to look for him, right? And it could take an hour and a half just to find a little <laughs> stick man character. <laughs> It'll take an hour and a half to find him, and then you'll well, say yay, and then you'll flip to the next page, and you'll do it again and again and again and again until you find all of them. And do you know, what did you make of the fact that I didn't know anything about this? Does that make me really sort of elderly and stuff? I suppose you can't really judge someone <laughs> on whether they know something or not, because you know a lot Maybe. of things I don't, uh, so. I don't. I don't know. She's not going that. to badmouth your friend. Uh, I, I think, don't no, think I so. Don't I'm fair play as well. I'm going to put up uh, pictures of myself and uh, Cara and Cara in her Wally outfit. A lot of Wallys in the Doyle, I, I would imagine. We'll get to uh, talking about that later on because, of course, you were there again yesterday. But tell me about uh, the exams and studying and how is that going? And just remind people again about what it is you're going to do, Cara. I suppose it's very tough right now, but it's going really good. And I can't walk and I can't go up to Leinster House without people asking me how the exam is going, how the study's going for the exam, sorry, mm. and like how I'm doing and all that. And that and exam really again, you're, you're going to do Leaving Cert Math. Yeah, I'm going to be doing the Leaving Cert Maths exam. And the toughest part in the curriculum by far is definitely calculus and differentiation. If you know what that is. No. (laughs) Now, that's the second thing this morning you've caught me out on. (laughs) Calculus and what was the other one? Differentiation, which is a part of calculus, but right. it's really hard. Because is that it's like really algebra or something? Is it? It's like an advanced version of algebra, but it's really tough. I couldn't like, even it's do definitely the, basic the toughest thing. part of the curriculum. Then calculus is where like you like draw the graphs and all that, and like you where you, you do the first derivative and the second derivative, and it's really tough. Do you know we've lost all of our audience now, including the presenter here. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant, but it's going well for you, is it? Yeah, it is. But people always say to me like, "Oh, like." Um, studying for the Leaving Star must be wicked tough. And it is wicked tough, but it's a lot of fun as well. 
and I'll start off here. So studying on the train is wicked fun as well because when you when I go up to the train on Dublin, I always study and it's really fun. And when we go back, I always get my donuts as well. <laughs> so that's the treat, is it? Yeah, we always get the donuts, and I always go. In, and at this stage now, I've been in Dublin so many times that I've bought half a pennies as well, <laughs> and I've looked in Brown Thomas more days than it's been there. Isn't that brilliant altogether? How are you finding though the commitment and that trip every single uh, week? Is it is it tiring? I mean, you could say that it is a bit tiring, but you can't really think of it that way because I'm doing this to help people. I'm not doing this for myself. So mm. whenever I get tired, I'm kind of just thinking like, well, I suppose I'm not going to go back to bed because this is like I'm doing it for other people. So I'm mm. going to keep working mm. and I'm going to keep working hard and I'm going to keep helping people. Yeah, and you... so I love going up and helping people. Well, it always appears to me that you do. Your dad, Mark, is with us as well. And of course, you're part of this commitment to, to Mark. It, it's, it's something big to take on isn't it yeah she's very positive Ryan I'm not as positive I'm tired Uh, yeah I find it tough going absolutely for the commitment for us and there has been times there where we've said like this this is tough going but even yesterday it's just the results it's she's making a big difference up there Mm. and when she meets uh, people she makes a difference does Um, she I presume it's gone to the point now she doesn't even need an introduction I mean no, they'd all know her at this yeah. stage by the, the usher see her walking up to the doll and they're waving at her before she even walks into the building. Like right. it, It's kind of that way. But look, at the end of the day, that's talk, but where's the action here? Right. And that's what we get to now in a while is that getting to the point, as we were just discussing there with Michael Lowry yesterday, a democracy is set up basically to, it's very slow for change, that yeah. no one person could just walk in and turn the... The, the cart over in the morning so it's very frustrating for any citizen of this country to realise that you can't just change things at the stroke of a pen that it's that, it's just the system is set up, you have to go over so many obstacles, in this case like to deal with the waiting list will take years, it's not going to happen overnight it's very, very frustrating. But, you know, I suppose Cara's innocent in one way because she's mm. only 12, so yeah. she just sees yeah. it. But your daddy will just keep going. We'll just keep... Of course, yeah. But, like, to yeah. answer your question, yeah, like, I mean, I find it hard because I see the slog that could be Of course ahead. you do. How, how, how many more months are you going to do this? Uh, well, see, like, this is it. I mean, like, look, she's getting to the point now where we're, we're, not, we're not too far off saturation, I'd mm. say, in about mm. two months where she'll have met every minister yes, and yeah. every person. So I don't know what happens at that point. But, look, the intention was she set a target of doing it until her exam which is 99 days away today. Very, very good. So that's a long 99, 99 days, days and yeah. counting and all of that. Tell me about your meeting then yesterday because you met uh, Tipperary's Michael Lowry, didn't you? Yeah, I met Michael Lowry yesterday. So the first thing was is that it was a massive meeting. But I have to tell you, just for a bit of crack, that he's in some shape for his age. Now, I don't know what age he is, but he's definitely over 21. That's all I know. Slightly, like, like myself, slightly over 21, I would imagine. And he was kind to you, was he? Yeah, he was very nice to me. But the funny part is, mm-hmm. is that he still has a full head of hair. But Fran still gets the award for <laughs> slickest haircut of all time. Well done, Fran. Thanks very much, <laughs> Cara. Thanks very much indeed. What else did you have to say with uh, Michael Lowry? What? So I spoke to him about all of the three issues that I brought up many times, but I'm only going to bring up two of them today. The first issue was that parents shouldn't have to pay for assessments full stop. That it's a very complicated issue and that 
this and that the state accepts that it's their responsibility to be paying for these services to, so people like my mum and dad and other people should not be paying for these services and then my dad and Michael Lowry spent ages talking about the really technical issues mm. Okay, very good. But did he get a grasp of what it is you want, do you think, uh, Cara? Yes, he was very nice to right. me and he was fantastic for helping with all disability and autism issues as well. But the second issue I also brought up was the carer's allowance to be mm. fully reviewed. That carer's allowance was never set up for parents who have children with disabilities. Mm. Yeah. It was never set up like that. And a review is definitely achievable, even though that it's very lo- that it will take a lot of work. But I'd say that if we put the work into and if we work hard and if we're determined to make it, to make it happen then it definitely can happen mm. so overall i think michael lowry has been fantastic for helping me and my dad with the disability and autism issues so this week he's going to get the big grade b well done michael well keep done. going with the great work well done indeed so what about some gossip because you always bring us back gossip from leinster house what what was happening there yesterday so the first big story that I have from Leinster House yesterday is Holly Kearns. And she's actually only 33 years old. So she's yeah. really young and she's really good looking as well. Yeah. She's really pretty. But my confidential sources from Leinster House were correct. She is now the new leader of the Social Democrats. And also yesterday in Leinster House, I watched a press conference as well. And she said that she will not be merging with Labour and that she... that that she will not be doing any election packs with any other party. But also on the press conference, she seemed very, very strong. And in my opinion, I really, really liked her. She's really nice and I really liked her. But she could also give voters a real option from Sinn Féin as well. Do you think so? Yes, I think so. All right, yeah. She hit poor Leo very hard in the doyle with her very first uh, speech as leader. But there you go. What else have you from Leinster House then? So the next big story I have is um, Niall Collins, and he's a minister of state just for anybody who doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. So it was from Limerick, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. from Limerick. Limerick. So. That was also the big gossip story of Leinster House. So basically what happened was that there's a big planning issue. But however, it it's not as straightforward as the Damien English one. It's not as straightforward. It's a lot more complicated. And over the next coming days, he's going to have to make a statement. But we don't know when. But also, he's going to have to answer some serious, serious questions. Mm. He's going to answer some really tough questions. He's he's going to have to answer them. He certainly is, but a very, very popular guy down in Limerick for sure. You're going to do some grades for us now, aren't you? Mm -hmm. But just um, before I get on to the grades, though, just adding on to the Niall Collins story very Mm. quickly, is that the ditch, you know what the ditch are? The Ditch, yes, it's an online uh, magazine or something, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. so the Ditch have the life frightened out of all of the TDs mm. and senators in Leinster House because they're looking at all of their planning files. So, Fran, I only have one question to ask you and everyone listening on air. Who's next? Who's next is right, because they broke the uh, Damien English uh, story, of course, as well. Um, all right, then, so some grading for us. So, I'm going to grade the Taoiseach, Tanisha and the government together. But this is only going to be on the disability waiting list and autism issues and also the carers issues. Mm -hmm. And I am not grading them as people. I'm only going to grade them on this issue. Okay. I'm not going to grade them as people. So, I feel like that, like, when I met um, Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar, that, like, they told me all of the changes that they are going to make. But unfortunately, that did not happen. But they're probably doing okay on loads of other issues. Like, they're tackling things 
like the cost of living and they're, they're tackling so many issues and they're doing really good on certain issues but they are not doing very good on this issue and I'm only coming in here just to talk about disability autism and carers and the waiting list I'm just here to talk about that and they are not doing good on this issue and while they may be doing good on other issues they're not doing good on this one and but they both told me that they would deal with the problem very quickly but they but they haven't done that yet and they are not treating it like the house is on fire. Because yeah. I told them they must treat it like a national crisis, like the house is on fire. But unfortunately, they have not done that. And when I told them that this is an emergency and that they need to treat it like a national crisis, they said they would, but they didn't. So unfortunately, the government, Oops. the Taoiseach and the Tanisha are going to have to get the big grade F this week. Oh. But that's only for disability waiting lists, autism and the carers. Right. I, that's not them as people, just but, for but, anyone who's wondering. But like everybody else, they can do better. And if they do, that will reflect itself in their grades, won't it? Going yes, forward. but I dream of the day when I'll, when I'll be able to give the government, the Taoiseach and the Tanisha, a grade A+, plus, just like you, Fran. <laughs> I dream of that day. <laughs> Absolutely. How are the two boys at home? Because, of course, the two boys are central to what you're doing, uh, Mark. Uh, how, yeah, how are they getting I, I on? suppose the struggle is still there. Fran yeah. Neal is extremely challenging. He still hits himself and bites himself. There's, there's, um, as I told another parent the other day, there's dynamite behind every door. Every door we open with the lads, there's an issue. Right. There's always an issue. There's something wrong. And like, and, and is this that is on a daily basis? On a Mark, daily yeah. basis, they'll hurt themselves. They'll have a trip that you wouldn't normally have. Or they'll, um, one of our children, you know, there was an incident yesterday where he fell off a seat. There's just issues that there's dynamite behind every door. That's just the way it is. 24-7, you're watching them. We have to sleep with them. We have to, it's 24-7 care. And that was one of the issues that we brought up with Deputy Lowry, that there's such a difference between caring for a person who can sort of still care for themselves a little bit and then what's called 24-7 care. There really is a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think there's now a realisation in Leinster House that there is a difference there. So something needs, that that needs to be addressed. But thanks like for asking for them. Uh, but it's tough going but that gives us the base that gives Cara the base to tell TDs look this is what I'm seeing at yes, home yeah. and I know she's only 12 but I suppose she has her experiences here and look when she talks like that people seem to listen because they say well look you, you know what you're talking about because you're seeing it yeah. whereas you know um, and my heart breaks for her because you know I feel like that her childhood has been taken from her but we can't hide from this but you know it's amazing that even in bad things there's good things like we're going to um, my wife has been training for an autism dog and that's arriving on Monday so we have a new family member on Monday so like there's just small little things like that um, come out of the ashes you know and and for people because on a weekly basis we get people in here and they're a bit concerned about Cara as well in terms of maybe you know missing the day in school and stuff but I mean she's Mm. doing more work on on that train and uh, you know than well look Leinster House actually provide her with a room to study in as well yeah absolutely I mean like we couldn't get more support but Fran look listen she has shares and pennies Mm. like any child if any children come up to her how how do you do this how do we get this deal like so you know this thing that it's somehow kind of hard in one way it is but on the other hand she's having a ball and and you know what I loved about this morning I mean when Karen talks to me we talk about big issues and important issues and political issues but this morning she came in in a childlike outfit yeah you know reflecting a book that she's fond of and that's 
I, I thought that was very special as well. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. And, and look, look, sometimes because this is what people hear and see, or but like what they don't see is the football training, the yes, cycling, the running, the causing trouble at home, yes. the breaking things. The yeah. you know they they don't see the ordinary little things. But the, the childhood. Not, well, suppose, look, her yeah. teacher will tell you that she's probably more innocent on one level than anyone else yes. in the class. So right. you know, well, it's, it's yeah. We're like, almost delighted uh, to see you both, and thanks very much, and well done. No, Carol. thank you so much. Thanks very much. We'll take a break. Uh, back with more. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie The Health Minister is visiting Wexford General Hospital this morning to speak to those impacted by a significant fire at the site yesterday afternoon. The blaze has been declared a major emergency with uh, 200 patients in the process of being evacuated from the hospital. Assistant Chief Fire Officer in Tipperary, Carol Kennedy joins me now. Carol, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And great to talk to you today and thanks for making time for us, Carol. I presume you must have felt for your colleagues in Wexford yesterday when you heard that they had to deal with such a, a major incident, Carol. Absolutely. I think when you get a call for a premises like that you're always on your toes. Um, but I think they've done a, a great job with it and certainly the plans they had in place um, proved themselves. And the plans, of course, that is so important. So it does bring us to uh, wondering, I suppose, Carol, is there a plan? Is there a major incident plan in Tipperary where the fire service is concerned? There absolutely is. Um, I suppose way back in 2007, uh, we were tasked with coming up with a new major emergency plan, is what we call it, for the um, county. So in that, we identify premises or certain incidents that we define as a major emergency. For example, something like a plane crashing, Mm. that Mm. kind of thing, the large-scale incidents. And we have identified, obviously, the hospital then and a hospital fire as being one of those risks. And um, so for that, then we we have to put plans in place to attend a fire at. And the, the kind of plans, I mean, do you do reconnaissance on a place like the hospital then? I mean, would you know the layouts, the fire breaks, all of that sort of thing ahead of we- time? We would, yeah. Right. Um, I mean, we would have certain access. We would have access to any fire safety certs, um, which buildings would get if they if they have to put on extensions or things like that. So we would know all about compartmentation. So compartmentation really is a means in in a building that stops fire spread. Mm. So we would would know that. But we would also do familiarisation visits um, with our crews in Plamel who would be attending um, a fire in the, in the hospital. So they'd be familiar with, for example, where hydrants would be accessed, egress points, that kind of thing. Yeah, because it's quite obvious that all of that work was done in Wexford because they seem to have been very successful in a short amount of time of holding back the fire, Carol. Absolutely. And I mean, planning really is key to everything um, within this. And those familiarisation visits will will help an awful lot to that kind of thing. Um, With, I suppose, hospitals as well, it's important to note that because there is that compartmentation and stop of fire spread, we have what's known as phased evacuation. And so you can, in essence, move people from one side of the building to another where the fire won't spread to or is less likely to spread to. So it gives you more time. Uh, it's interesting. What what about liaising with uh, the other services? And I'm thinking about uh, 
the ambulance and the guardie. Are, are they part of a, a holistic plan, Carol? They are. So when this new idea of um, major emergency planning was introduced many moons ago, it was a more coordinated approach. So I suppose before that, we did have major emergency plans in place, but they were for the individual agencies. But um, we now have a more coordinated response. So we're all tied in, the Gardaí, the HSE, and um, the local authorities, which obviously the fire service would work under. So if, say, for instance, the fire service declared their major emergency plan, that automatically invokes the plans of the other two agencies. So their coordination centres, their means of communication, all that has been pre-planned and automatically goes into play. That's very interesting. And would you look at something like what has been happening in Wexford and maybe learn further from it, Carol, and maybe add that to um, future plans? Yeah. So every time a major emergency plan is or a major emergency is declared, um, obviously a lot of paperwork follows that and everything, and they have to do a review of the plan. So any findings that come out of that then will be shared with other agencies so we can put that into our learning as well. So as I say it's it's a very much coordinated response and not only friend is a coordinated on a county level but also if for example um it was a large fire that affected more than Tipperary it's, it's coordinated on a regional level and nationally then again. So yeah, we all learn from each other. Well, Carol, it was great to talk to you today. And thanks. I know you're very busy this morning, Carol, but thank you so much for making time for me. Thank, thank you. you good, good, thank good morning to you. That's Carol Kennedy there, who's Assistant Chief Fire Officer, speaking to us there about a plan, I suppose, for Tipperary, a major incident plan. I'm delighted to be joined now by my old friend, Dr. Connor Reedy. And of course, Connor, very much involved in that organisation that wants to um, have A&E services returned to Nina. Good morning to you, Connor. Hello, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Connor, I'm not sure even do you remember, but some months ago you raised concerns with me about UHL and because people are on trolleys in corridors, you were concerned that if there was something like what happened in Wexford yesterday, it could be disastrous. Well, indeed. First of all, Fran, on behalf of the entire Midwest West Hospital campaign, I want to extend our solidarity, our condolences and our very best wishes to the patients, the staff, the management and the wonderful emergency services at Wexford General Hospital in the wake of what they have been enduring since yesterday evening. It has to be the worst nightmare for everyone who has worked in and managed a hospital. Mm. Um, This must surely be an unprecedented situation and we must remember this morning that there were staff working at Wexford General Hospital yesterday due to come off the night shift at 8 o'clock last night and many of them are probably still working this morning sure, yeah. so it's, it's a very serious situation for them to answer your question um, look as we've just heard from the, fire, the previous speaker we know the fire services will always be on top of their game and ready to meet the worst challenges of a disaster situation but all of this is dependent on the site of that disaster mm. already conforming with the rules and regulations now as you said we in the campaign, and um, it's a particular issue for Councillor Shami Morris, we've all seen and heard the situation at UHLED. Your listeners have heard plenty from myself and from Tanya Davida McMahon uh, through the last few mm. months and years. Mm. Fire safety is just one of the reasons why the campaign exists, because we've been asking for years now, 
what happens with all of those crowded patients and trolleys toe-to-toe, side-by-side, crammed into that facility, which is permanently beyond its allocated and designated capacity, the capacity for which it was built. So this is a question we continue to ask. We were actually, we actually had a meeting of the Midwest uh, hospital campaign team last night, and uh, this was one of the things, of course, was mm. very timely in our discussion because it was still an ongoing situation. And um, it, it just frightens us, and it is one of the aspects of, of many issues that has always frightened us in this situation. Yes, we know that the fire services here in the Midwest would rise to the occasion. We see that happen all the time, unfortunately. But it depends what they have to face when they go in there. And and that is the point, isn't it? And have you any idea... I mean, as you say, Carol was talking to us there about, you know, a general emergency plan. But, you know, I mean, if you have corridors full of people, where where would you begin even in terms of evacuation, you know? Well, I mean, I've seen it firsthand with my father's situation, which I've told here, and that's four and a half years ago now, yeah. uh, Lord have mercy on him. Um, but there, there, there have been literally thousands of other similar situations in UHL emergency departments since that time. And uh, it is the crowded nature of the emergency department that's problematic, Fran. It's the fact that, you know, this would not happen. This would not be allowed to happen, say, in a school. Um, this would not be allowed to happen in a factory. Yeah. There, there would be laws and there would be regulations in place that would say, no, you're out of business um, until you put this right. So... You, listeners who have not been through this have to picture this situation of a corridor, a normal-sized corridor um, that can take two beds, two trolleys, one on each side with bare walking space, walking down along that, that, that corridor, that area. It may not be a, 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 technically a corridor it may, in an A&E. It, it, it may just be a space to get from zone A to zone B or whatever, you know, and it's just, it, there's room for trolleys there, so that's where we put trolleys. And how you are getting those people out of that spot, um, and think think of the, the conditions that mm. they're already in. So they may have wires attached, they may have tubes, they may have essential machines that cannot be taken off them. And I know that a fire plan would take all of that into account anyway, but what it doesn't take into account is that the place is so seriously so badly overcrowded and mm. likely in breach of regulations already that um, where, as you say, is the starting point? What is the danger? So the danger level must, in the scale of danger and the scale of threat to life, must rise yes. exponentially because of... Yeah, because, um, because depending the, on where the fire might break out, Connor, and I mean, I, I don't mean to be catastrophizing all of this. I but, know, I but, know. Like, if you had to get people down from wards upstairs because those wards were most effective, to get them out in crowded corridors and, you know, I just... Yes. I, I, um, I just don't know how, because, how it would happen, you know? Because, of course, we're talking A&E here, I'm talking A&E, but you're actually mentioning wards, and that's mm. quite correct, mm. because many trolley, many wards have trolleys on yeah, them. Yeah. And... Um, you know, much of the, the you know, the, the HSE tend to count in their trolley figures to, to count the amount of people in the ED, but the trolley watch figures, as I understand it from the INMO, count people on trolleys. There are wards all over UHL and plenty of other hospitals, I'm sure, that have patients on trolleys in wards, which again is blocking 
it's blocking entrance ways and exit pathways. We talk about pathways all the time. Uh, we talk about obstructions. You go to a concert. You do. You you're in the music business as well, Fran, in the performance business. So you'd be well acquainted with, say, if there's bigger venues you're in, that you know your equipment, your you know, and and the, the, yeah, the paraphernalia and, I mean, that goes with it would not be allowed to block an entrance. Not at way. all. You have to yeah. move vehicles and everything uh, away from. Even you know, I, I often get annoyed about it at times because yeah. you're <laughs> rushing to do things. But a door that you wouldn't think would have any consequence to anything, but you can block it. You have to, you know. Well, you know. Maybe I'm saying the wrong thing, but my mind always goes back. And we talk a lot in our house here um, mm. about the Stardust, Stardust tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people's minds should go back to that. Yeah. And again, like yourself, I don't want to catastrophize, but this is something, this is part of why we exist as a campaign, because it's one of the yes. reasons that people have seen and experienced. And Connor, can and I ask you finally, is this the wake-up call because they were blessed yesterday by not having casualties or not having people um, uh, dying in some a situation like this. Is this the wake-up call now? It should be. But will it be? And I don't know that it will be. I don't know what the wake-up call here in the Midwest is, Fran. You, you know, if, if you don't have proper capacity, and if it, you know, then you're going to have Overcapacity, in a sense, if you have not provided for, um, say you have a, say you have a building and you've provided for fifty people to work or live in that building, but you actually really need a hundred. Yes. Then that building is filled with a hundred people instead of fifty. So that's where we are with UHLED, and that's where we are with with UHL in general. So it spills out from the ED across the hospital. I don't believe. We have seen so much tragedy in terms of uh, people spending end of life on trolleys in UHL and things that still have to be legally proven. Um, whether they, you know they died on trolleys, we, we know that many have, of course. Um, and yet, that has not been a wake-up call. Um, I'm, I'm tragically, just, I, I don't know. I beg your pardon, Connor, but I'm just yeah. about out of time. But I do want to just and briefly, if you would, for me. But yep. I got a, I got a press release from Michael Larry this morning, who was telling us uh, that uh, Nina injury unit yesterday was closed um, uh, just due to staff shortages. There, do, was that your understanding, Connor? Yes. Um, I mean, this is the knife edge we're living on. Uh, this this is how pin the tight the tight rope is here in Nina Fran that if and, and this is I'm not gonna personalise this to staff because we, we know the staff are wonderful and we've always said that we've always backed them up. But the staff st- staff in any workplace are allowed to be out sick. Yeah. That's what we understand. And when a couple of staff go out sick in Nina Hospital, the LIU closes, the local injury unit closes. In what on what planet is that acceptable? Seriously, that we are that curtailed in the amount of people available to us and that we are not working harder to make more people available. It's not just filling, it's not just making capacity for patients, it's making capacity for more staff. It's absolutely right. atrocious. It's short notice. Um, it's beyond unacceptable. Yes. And particularly and how many more times will we have this conversation, do you think? Wasn't it closed last August yeah. weekend, as I believe? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that, that, that's around that time. That's one of the busiest periods of the year. Um, it, it, it makes a mockery of our recent meeting with Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, uh, in Limerick when he met the campaign and he assured us that things were getting better. When are, We've been assured things are getting better for years now. Um, so we, there's a great sense of they tell us what we want to hear to make us go away 
and but, um, but you're not going away, Connor. We will never go away until real change has happened, Fran. That's I must you can take I, that to the bank. I must leave it there, Connor. But we always appreciate your time, and thank you thank very you much, so indeed. much good, good morning to you, Connor. And that's uh, Dr. Connor Reedy of Midwest Hospital Campaign. I'm always at pains to point out that uh, the doctorate that Connor has is not a medical one, and I'm sure I'm sure he would want to make that quite clear himself. We'll take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, listener says, Fran, I know the speaker is well-intentioned, but staff and management are hard-pressed enough every day seeing patients if they turn people away. What uh, will he have to say then? It seems to be a no-win situation. The HSE spend billions on the children's hospital and are criticised for that too but it will have capacity well it might well have capacity but try getting there in rush hour and I think that's going to be a huge issue for ambulances but anyway that's a whole other a whole other conversation uh, we spoke to uh, Pater Tobin uh, of Antu uh, yesterday on the show regarding the government's intentions to establish an inquiry into the state's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic to inform future responses to a public health uh, emergency. One of our fantastic listeners, a lady who's hugely popular on the show, is Joe Noble, and she joins me. Now, good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Did you recover from Templemore the other night? <laughs> Actually, I, did, I was good, you see, because the last time I was on the floor all the time, but I only done four dances um, <laughs> Monday night. I was being very, very good. So, no, I'm grand. I'm not hopping on one leg at all. I'm grand. I'm well, going to use I, the second one. I'm delighted to hear it. What do you make this thing of reviewing how we dealt with uh, COVID and stuff? Because I know you feel very sorry for families of people who, who passed away during COVID, Joe. Yeah, I actually do because it was, I never realised until, as I said, my cousin's husband passed away there nearly three months ago. Yeah. And um, he didn't have COVID going into the hospital like he, he, had, he, had, he had cancer, actually. But um, he picked it up in the hospital. Yeah. And um, when he, if anyway, eventually when he died, um, I thought, I was saying to my cousin, I said, like, you know, the coffin will be closed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Not at all. Mm. And, I mean, even the day he was dying, the two of the, what do you call them, fellas that looked after him? The Undertakers, is it? No. Before oh, oh, the day he was dying, I beg your pardon. Uh, yeah, um, the, the palliative care. Oh, sorry, That's yes, of the, course, yes. And they came over anyway to talk to me, right? Mm. And uh, they told me he was going down, on, you know, on the hour, every mm. hour type thing. And I said, oh, God, I said she'd be in there on her own mm. with him. And they said, no, not at all, you can go in too. And I said, um, hello, like, I said, he's COVID-like. Mm. And they said, no, 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 that's okay, two can go in. And they said, because his breathing is so shallow, there's no danger. But well, I didn't go in, because you know me the way I was terrified of uh, COVID sure, anyway. Of course, yes. But now, that that was just a few months ago, was it, uh, Joe? And you're going on three months. Well, three, he three died, months actually, ago. on my birthday, the 13th of December. Oh, yeah. did he, the poor pet. So so oh. you're making a comparison then, I suppose, of what yeah, families yeah, had to endure during COVID. Yeah, because, like, he came, he was brought back to the house. The undertakers actually told us that um, you cannot get COVID off a dead person. Mm. Um, they're not breathing. They're not, you know, coughing, sneezing, spluttering, whatever. Yeah. Um, and they've been embalmed. Yeah. So all bodily fluids, everything is good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, so, and still some some of the 
the poor people were in body bags and stuff uh, and they couldn't uh, be seen yeah. by their, their relatives. Yeah, which shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Shouldn't have happened. My heart goes out to them people. Um, I mean, he was at home in the house. He was laid out. There was no, no fear or danger mm. of anything. To be quite mm. honest with your friend, in my opinion, when somebody die of, of COVID or whatever the case may be with it, um, they they can't pass it to you. Yes. It's the people coming in sympathising with you that can give it to you. Of course. But not yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all of that was curtailed as well. And I'm just wondering about the fallout yeah. of that for, for families and uh, the like too, Joe. Well, be the hokey pokey, I tell you something, if it was a, a closer family member of mine, mm. when I tell you one thing, I would be, be, be highlighting it and bringing it up because those people can't get that time back. She was let sit with her husband the whole time until he passed away. And something else that's sort of close to, to both our hearts, I know, is the, the chief medical officer came out yesterday and said that, you know, uh, older people who had still isolated themselves and coming up on three years now at this point, that, yeah. you know, she was advising them to get out. But would you know people, Joe, who isolated themselves and maybe still well, are, are afraid to come back into the community? Well, I can talk about myself, friend, mm. and I isolated and I was terrified. Yeah. Um, the, the government put a fear of death in me. Yeah. but And it took me a long time. I'm not going to deny that. Like, I mean, even the first time the dancing started back, I was afraid, you know, to go over. And I thought, no, I won't. Even to this day, if, say, I know, say, a bank holiday dance over there, which would be pretty busy, mm. I won't go. Because you because still have a fear, crowd. Joe, is that it? I, 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 a mild fear. I wouldn't say I'm over mm. the top now scared of it now. But I am still very, right. very careful. And Joe, do you know of people who still have not emerged from their house for social occasions and the like? I mean, do you? Uh, no, not personally. I don't. Yeah. I don't. But I've heard stories. You know, do you hear the, the Yeah, the me too. That, yeah, everywhere you know, I go, yeah, I hear about yeah. people who haven't come yeah, back. Yeah, that they to, are a bit scared yeah. and, you know, still. I mean, I still wear my mask going into shops and everything. Do you? I do. What reaction do. do you get to that? Some of them would look at me kind of as if I too, especially, you know, I won't better not mention the name, no, it's a no. shopping kick in, in Port Leash anyway. Mm. And um, you go in there, and I remember going in there one Sunday, and I was looking around and I thought, she's the only person with a mask on. Little won't mm. no, 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 don't looking at me funny. <laughs> but in the back of my head, I'd be looking at them saying, you silly keeper. Right. You know, there is, it's not gone. But not only is it COVID, there's so many different bugs out there at the minute. Yeah, there was a heavy so flu around Christmas there, yeah. 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 I'm trying to protect myself from all them as well because I can't afford to be picking up things. Of course, yeah. Do you yeah. agree with the notion, because I know it's going to end up costing money and it will go on for some time, do you agree with the notion of establishing an inquiry into how it was all handled, Joe? Do you think yes, that needs to happen? Do you? Yeah. 100%. Mm. And don't mind about it costing money. How much money is it costing all them feckers to go off for Paddy's Day? A good lot, I would say. A good yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, your friend Damon Ryan is heading for China anyway, so... Don't mention him to me. <laughs> Jesus, Mary, joke, I can't stand it. When I see that lad's head coming on the television, ah, no. I couldn't afford to buy another television, I'd head for it. Ah, no. Ah, no, Joe. Ah, no. No! Go yeah. away with you and your fucking Damon Ryan. Jesus! <laughs> The oh, my God. The other thing I saw you post, I knew that would stir you up. Um, the okay. other thing I saw you posting about is you feel sorry for the Netflix era 
uh, kids because they didn't have the experience <laughs> of, of the old adrenaline flowing running around the house. Will you tell the listeners about that? I look at I mean everything now is you press a button you yeah. don't have to get off your backside at all to no. do anything like you know you press the button I mean God I remember it could be in the middle of Coronation Street or something I'd flip a button to go to the toilet and, I, and I'd, I'd run down to the bathroom I'd go to the next thing I'd hear one ma'am just his back <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I would I'd be breaking my neck to go back up and if I missed one line of it I'd be saying what happened what happened <laughs> but <laughs> no tis, I mean we had to get up. We had even to get up in my time. They had even to get up to switch the channels on the television. Know, yeah. They don't have to move at all now. They don't, no. And I remember, no. the, do you remember the bit of a wire out of it as well that was connected to the television? And we thought oh, we were very geez. posh when we had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, dear, you got it. Well, I tell you, the radio, my mother had now, um, it was uh, an, an, was it electric? It was, it mm. has to have been mm. sure. And there, there used to be a pole outside in the yard. Right. And a wire coming in <laughs> somewhere or other from that. I don't know the hell how it, how it, how it worked. But I, Fran, I always remember the first time she got a transistor radio. Go on. Oh, Lord Jesus. She bought this little transistor and I sat, I must have sat for an hour looking in at the back of it, looking around to the sides of it, and trying to think, how the hell is this working? There's no plug, there's no wire. <laughs> and I couldn't figure it out. And she banjaxed the, the transistor because the batteries ran down and our crater couldn't afford a new lot oh. of batteries. And she put it sitting at the side of the old fire to, to see if the heat was, would, would warm up the batteries. the batteries and warm. She, she melted the whole lot and it was a big bang. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah, she must have been so disappointed over that, was she? Well, I couldn't repeat what she said. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you got it from, Joe, is it? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, when my mother passed it. Actually, it was my uncle. My uncle, God be good to him, taught was me. What, was I was, <laughs> yeah. Can you remember getting colour TV for the first time? I never had a colour TV um, when until I moved out myself mm. when I got older. M- Mammy always maintained that the colour television would affect your eyes. Oh, right. So she, <laughs> so we only always, <laughs> that's true, we only always had a black and white one. But I remember when, you when know, we got You know that. that she spun you a story there, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, she probably did, probably did, and I was gullible enough to believe it. <laughs> We used to have an old black and white television, yeah. and uh, but before I was about thirteen before we got a television. What, are you serious? Oh, we were the last ones in this cabin. I said to get a television, but we used to go up, you see, um, to the woman up in the lodge up at the end of the lane where we lived, mm. and we used to go up to her to look at, at Glen Row and Talca Row. Oh, I'm giving away my age now, definitely. My God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that uh, was the very first Irish soap, wasn't it? Talca Road. It was. Jim Barton. I think so. Yeah. 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 And we'd go up there, I think it was on on a Sunday, if I'm right. Mm. And we'd go up there anyway, and we'd look at that, and then we'd come home. And Mammy said, sure, what do you want a television for? We can go up to... <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a very practical woman for you. What do you want a TV? You can go up and watch the neighbours' uh, TV. Why not, indeed? <laughs> no. Oh, she had some sense. Ah, I'll tell you that much. My God. She had things, friend, that she's come out with. And they never made sense. I often thought, what does that mean? Like, like what, Joe? Can you remember well, I remember coming down the stairs one time at home and I had the measles 
and I didn't know like what 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 I had. Mm. And I came down, and Mammy took one look at me, mm. and she said. <laughs> Now, if there's anyone in sensitive ears, turn off the flipping radio now and I'll tell you this. She turned around and she said, oh, my God, you look like a shit in a slate of a frosty morning. Now, what does that mean, like? You weren't yeah. looking your best, I'd imagine, Joe. Is that it? I suppose that's what it was. But how compared to that, I don't know, like. You know, oh, she had this. Seeing my mother came out, which was just unbelievable. Joe, it's always a delight to talk to you and to meet you in person as well. And you were looking farewell the other night, I can tell you. Ah, Danny, God, I enjoyed it. Friend, you were brilliant. Ah, Thank you very much, Joe. Absolutely brilliant. I loved every minute of it. And so did a lot of people around now that were all saying how good you were. Ah, You were fantastic. But you're always good. Ah, you're saying all the right things now, you see. Joe, you look after yourself and delight to talk to you as always. Take care of yourself, Joe, won't you? And you too, friend. I will. That's the great Joe Noble there, hugely popular contributor to the show. Uh, news and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. 1800. Uh, 938-000-007, even that's our free phone number. If you want to speak to Emma, you can uh, text and WhatsApp 083-311-3311. We were speaking to Joe there about her memories of her mum with the first transistor radio and uh, TVs and all of that. Um, one of her listeners says, when my grandmother got her first radio, she turned it off at dinner time because she said, that man needs to go home and have his dinner. Lovely. Another listener on to say a bush television was the first one we had in our family home. It was the most troublesome piece of kit of all time and Rin Tin Tin was our favourite on Saturday evenings. Yeah, you're you're bringing me back memories about TVs because uh, we had a black and white uh, TV at home but you could buy a screen thingy that attached itself to the television and it gave sort of an impression of colour. Sure, we were we were absolutely delighted with it at the, at the time. Anybody with a, an experience of that, I wonder. Something else that hasn't made the news all that much today, and I'm kind of surprised, is uh, the former CEO of the HSE. He's been appointed as the independent chairperson of the Citizens' Assembly on Drugs. And Paul Reid, of course, is who I'm referring to there. And he came out as saying he was absolutely delighted with the appointment, and I'm sure he was indeed. The announcement was made by the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, who went on to say, Paul has vast leadership experience and a successful track record as CEO of the HSE. I'm just wondering, how are they measuring that? A successful track record as CEO of the HSE. You'd wonder, wouldn't you? You'd wonder. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, wait, three. Three double one, double three, double one. We're always anxious to promote live music um, on the programme. We have some live music, in fact, towards the end of today's programme. But can I also highlight for you that the Riverbed Diamonds Band 
is uh, appearing at Eldon's Bar in Clonmel tomorrow night. They are a fantastic live band. No backing tracks, no nonsense. Guys out there playing guitars and drums and all of that kind of thing and featuring my old friend Joe Gallagher on bass as well. So that's tomorrow night, the Riverbed Diamonds Band appearing at Eldon's in Clanmel. The parents of a young Tipperary boy with autism and an eating disorder are considering taking him to the UK because, guess what, they can't access services for him here in Ireland. A 12-year-old, a 12-year-old Rian Plinska from Cashel has been diagnosed with an avoidant restrictive food intake disorder and was diagnosed with autism in 2013 at the age of two. He also has anxiety. His mum, Katrina, joins me now. Katrina, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Fran. Really good to talk to you, Katrina. Um, Often on over the years, you've been talking to me about uh, Rian. Will you tell the listeners when you first started to notice that he might have had some issues? Um. Firstly, ringing um, at 18 months, he starts to show signs of a disturbance in his behaviour. And from then on, I've kind of done observations. I had childcare done. And so I did my own observations because I knew with the HSE, I wasn't literally going to get anywhere. So with all these observations, I went and I seek help. So I applied for assessment of needs. And back then, it was a six-month wait list. It was pretty quick. Luckily, unlike nowadays. Um, but... Then his eating kind of went down. Like Rian used to eat everything he put in front of me. Like he had six sausages in the on his um on his table mm. on his little uh, high chair. And uh, he'd eat all them. He might look for more and there was no issue with eating and he couldn't get enough food. And gradually it went down and down and down and no, he wasn't having the food it kind of went to the floor, you know, he was pushing all the stuff away. Yeah. And we could never understand why, you know, this is happening and Gradually, when he would have had like loads of food, we were down, say, to about 10 foods. And then he said, no, he didn't want to eat this, he didn't want that. We were at our little wits end, like, what's going on here? But we got his diagnosis with autism, and then and he went to the preschool for ASD. And from there on, then, he actually, it went downhill again, 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 the staff, like, like ours, they were clueless. It was like, what's going on here? Mm. And what he'd eat today, he wouldn't eat tomorrow. Like, he would eat, like, uh, cheese strings and all this kind of stuff, like toddlers would normally eat in their hands going around. Yeah. And he got violently sick. He got violently, violently sick and ended up so malnutritioned, um, sitting in kids in common and uh, ended up on an NG tube. That was the first time a treat. He ended up in an NG2. And he, he was three at that point, was it? He was about three, three, yeah. three and a half at that stage. Like, that was the first instance of an, ever having an NG2 here. That must have been so him. frightening, Katrina, was it? It, it, it was in a way, because I back then remember sitting on the floor nearly in peace and I sitting in tears with him in my arms because I literally didn't know what was going on. You're at your within, like, you don't know, is it medical or is it neurological or what is it, you know? And um, he was lacking deficiencies, actually deficient in a lot of things, and they put him on a drape and kept him in for a bit. And at that stage, had he a diagnosis of autism? At that stage, he had a diagnosis of autism. He had, Fran, he had, yeah, but he didn't have a diagnosis of Afford because it, it probably wasn't known. You know, it's only relatively new in Ireland since 2013. Right. Uh, that's the avoidance restrictive food intake disorder you're referring to. And is that related to autism in some way, Katrina? That is related to autism, but it's not just related to autism, Brian. Like, I mean, there's children with Down syndrome, there's 
adults even have this um, eating disorder. Like there's three subtypes of it in as well. Um, but children who have aspirin are at a higher risk of developing aspirin. When did he develop uh, some symptoms of anxiety as well then, Katrina? The anxiety, I suppose, to find it develop, we was developing slowly and we hadn't spotted it because, like, if this is all new to us, you know, autism I had lived with before because my eldest has autism as well. And so I, 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 I didn't recognise anxiety for a number of years, to be honest, you know? Yes. Uh, every time he went into peas, oh, numerous times now, I, saw, I couldn't count in one hand how many times he's been inside of peas. We're just getting the tube fed tube in, inserted, me trained, how to change it, how to do it. But over a period of time, I suppose, finally came from the actual ND being inserted too many times. Do you get me? Right, so he... Um, he, that, he alone, yeah, yeah. that alone itself would actually be trauma for a child at that age. Right, and well, that would, that that like, would be trauma for anybody, Katrina. Anybody. Yeah. It's trauma for anybody. For a child that age, like the fear of it, or like, don't eat or get an ND, like, we've never said this to the child. But this is probably his logical thinking. Yes. If I don't eat, I will get this NG feeding. We tried, like, before we tried the um, NG feeding, you know, we tried supplements with diet, with the dietitians, uh, mousses, shakes, nothing was going in. There was literally nothing. He refused everything. We were basically down to He's 12 years old now, Katrina. Like, how is he now? How is he doing? Now uh, we're under um, CUH in Cork with the consultants down there, and she has him on an antihistamine. And that antihistamine is a very slow antihistamine. We have seen a little bit of improvement, but because of the high dosage of it, we're kind of wondering like, what happens when this means off? Because, like, as you know, everything only lasts for so long. Yes, the tolerance builds up, I suppose. Yeah. He doesn't actually like it, and he has said, next time I go to the doctor, he says, I telling her I don't want this anymore. Right. But specifically, what is that treating? And my understanding of an antihistamine is that it's for allergies and the like. Yeah, yeah. This antihistamine it actually would make you think what's in it. Now, don't don't been doing research on it as I've done over the years. Mm-hmm. It's for I was told it's for anxiety to help with sleep and to have weight gain. Okay, right. But so I mean, but I can't take him off this. Because obviously now he needs to be weaned off of it. If he just wants to come off it, he can't just say, I don't want it anymore. Because there's a threat of psychosis if he comes off it. My God. And what about his eating habits now? His eating habits are much the same. If he develops one safe food, he loses another safe food. Right. Basically, you know, you've no actual increase where you're hoping, like, at the moment, like, he has taken a fancy now lately to chicken nuggets. Mm. Yeah. Just the nuggets. But it has to be nuggets. The packaging has to be right. It even down to the packaging. If the packaging changes colour, um, you have to hide the food, put it in a different packaging, you have to think ahead. If the if the, if like a nugget isn't breaded, isn't sorry, isn't battered, he won't touch it. Even later yesterday in his uh, ASC unit in, in uh, Shumnery, they actually uh, made goujons. Just as an example, they made homemade goujons with mm. breaded. He wasn't eating them. He did sit and touch them. They weren't. They're. They're not his. They wouldn't be seen like as a safe food. Right. A safe food is a big word to like bread, butter, uh, toast, uh, dry cereal. That's it. We we thought first it was maybe to do with colour and the textures, 
Yes. But we're not sure. I'm still not sure, you know, but we need to get down to the point of where and what caused it and what triggered it, basically, you know? What about his communication? Um, how How yeah. is that, Katrina? Well, Reen was nonverbal for quite a while, and then I done the law course, and between myself and the preschool, we used law at home, and he's gradually returned to speaking. He's mm. communicating. He's quite a social little boy now. You know, he's developed and his confidence is starting to grow. Love is, is is a sign language, is it? Love is a sign language, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. And it, it was a great benefit, like, to us here, like, in the house and um, even in the school we're using it. It was a, Now, this is a very slow process. You had a lot of patience with it. You yes. know, we used visual aids when you decided not to speak. We did use visual aids, uh, even for food. We thought maybe we'll, we'll try food. Is there something you want? We brought him to the shop, shops that... I brought every shop I could think of to show him visually. Is there anything you'd like to eat? Mm. But there was nothing, nothing. He'd pick up nothing, only he pushed into the trolley. He stayed food at that time. It's incredible. Now, you are <laughs> considering at this point, Katrina, uh, taking him to the UK because of lack of services here. Specifically, what is it that you can't get here now for him by way of services? <clears throat> by way of services, Brian, to have... Um, um, I suppose support for not just myself, but for all the other families in Ireland and Tipperary who also have this. Um, basically, we need a clinical lead. And you need two clinical leads. One with just standalone Alfred and one with, with uh, Alfred with a dual diagnosis. There, you need a multidisciplinary team. The multidisciplinary team needs to consist of a psychologist, a dietitian, and um, a full multidisciplinary team where, where possible, you know. And, and that, um, that expertise is not here, is that it? No, I have wrote and I have letters here at your home, Frank, stating that the local CDNT, where I'm lucky Martin Brown has been actually on board helping me with this because it came work overload, to be honest, you know, pressure-wise. And um, CDNT responded saying that they didn't have the interdisciplinary skills to deal with Alfred. And uh, Cam's asked in CDNT to take the lead. And that's where the letter kind of came from that they didn't have the skills. They don't have any dietitian, neither. There's no peace dietitian either in Carmel. That position is still vacant um, at the minute of last year. Katrina, let me get this clear in my head. You, you, the, what you're getting back from the powers that be is notice to say, we can't help you. Does that kind of sum it up? Yeah, that's it. That's basically it. You're on your own, high and dry like. I mean, I mean we got information there last year and basically... There were times where an SOS feeding clinic, which was available in Dublin, but one, a lot of research trying to find this SOS clinic, uh, it turns out that when I got through to the actual therapist in, in, Tom, in uh, Tomlin, she told me that the service has been suspended since COVID and it won't be returning. So we were misinformed about things being available, you know, by area managers and stuff like that when it wasn't um, actually available. And look, we got actually a letter back there last week to apologise for that as well. Tell me about, I mean, you know, I know you have an older child who has been diagnosed with autism as well, but, I mean, is this your life now, Katrina, if you know what I mean? Is it 24-7 looking for services, wondering about services, trying to see what's best for them? It, it is, It is. Fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nightmare, to be honest. Like, you get up each morning and you're like, like, what letters come in the door? What another refusal letters come in the door? Where do I stand? Like, um, I'm here now, and I can show you 
loads and loads of letters here that I have excuses for him. It's just there's just no need planned for this. There's just no need. They're, the dietitians over the years have been fantastic and primarily been brilliant. And I have to say that to them, like, without them, I would be lost. His consultant in Carmel, she's went above and beyond her actual duty of call mm. to try and get him a service. Yes. She has taught me she's hit a brick wall. You know, well, she's hit a brick wall. We've hit a brick wall. And I wasn't stopping. And I told her that there has to be something like this. So she applied for the treatment abroad scheme, which we got last year. Yes. And then applied to the clinic in London, in Evelina in London. But because Reed has actually autism, they couldn't see him. So that was door closed again. Um, so I found, found another clinic in there a few weeks ago, and I got right. So this is, I rang them, and they told me that they see children with autism, anxiety, and Asperger's, and they do uh, treat them. Right, so they would look holistically at him. Yeah. And is yeah. that available to you under that uh, treatment purchase fund? I haven't actually applied for it yet. I'm yeah. actually waiting again to meet my consultant in Cork, which was due, he's due his eight-week appointment next week in Cork. But unfortunately, I can't get through because every time you want to get an appointment in Cork, you have to ring for an appointment. <laughs> I'm not actually getting anything in the post. Or you might get a phone call two or three days beforehand, like the last month. Uh, you might just get, uh, can you come down for an appointment? Just, no, just so with like, a couple of days' notice. Yeah, with a couple of days' notice, I got. I got last January. I got four days' notice to but, go to an appointment. But when you and I rang yesterday. But when you're looking after all the kids going to school and so, I mean, how yeah. how can you work around that? It, it's very hard. Like I me, mean, I I get my husband's roster basically, and we try and he tries to work around things, and I try to work around things because we couldn't ask anyone to my children. We just couldn't. I wouldn't do it to my own kids. You know, they're my kids, my responsibilities, the way I look at it, you know. If you but, do take up the UK option, though, I mean, that obviously involves travel, it involves accommodation, expense, all of that kind of thing as well. Is everything covered by the treatment purchase fund? I mean, no. will they put you up? Will they? No. The treatment purchase, the treatment purchase scheme, Fran, is that it pays for the extra justice therapy, the sessions, the treatment you need. Other than that, the actual cost of it is, you have to fly yourself, you know, and get accommodation or get travel expenses yourself, you know. There's no comeback on that. So you'd have to come up with all of that. And I guess it's not just going over for a day or two, is it? Is no. This, yeah. the, this, this, this um, practice we, saw, we found actually in the UK, the first assessment takes about two hours. And because you have already got a diagnosis, they still need to do their own assessment because they need to see which subtype category he falls into from this assessment. And then there, there were six, six, sorry, six sessions after this. Again, to go back over. Both probably one, one and a half hour sessions at home to go back over again. And then you're given a program to work on for a few months to see does it actually work. And if not, you can Zoom call them as well. There's no problem, they said there, for uh, in contacting. You can adapt the program and retry something, you know. Katrina, do you feel completely let down on behalf of your family by health service here in Ireland? I feel completely, completely let down. Like, it's this day and age. I've in the country since 2013. It's now 10 years in. No team to deal with it. Nothing. I mean, yeah, you know, you pick up a phone, you've got to make your own appointments, you've got to remember they've got a six, eight-week appointment, you've got to remember he's got a six-week appointment, you got to remember all this. And that's just one appointment, like. You know, then you're getting refusals in the door, letters in the door constantly, and 
I mean, the government, I don't know, I don't think they're actually interested in because they have no, they have no real knowledge of it and they're kind of stepping right back from, back from it, you know? Katrina, I must leave it there, but if you don't mind, we'd like to follow your journey with this and just to keep in touch with you to see how things are going. Would that be okay? That's fine, Fran. Thanks a million for having me on. All right. We wish you the very best and to your family as well. Thanks, Katrina. That's Katrina Pliska speaking to us there uh, specifically about her 12-year-old son, uh, Rian. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Our Tip Today reporter Ali is on the road again this morning and joins us now from north of the county. Ali, where are you today? Good morning, Fran. I'm live here in Nina this morning. And I actually, do you know what? We didn't rehearse this, but will everyone say good morning, Fran? Good morning, Fran. <laughs> there you go, Fran. We're in Gwilskull Enoch Urvoon here in Nina this morning. And I'm here to talk to students. It's similar to what we did last week. Um, I visited um, Gwilskull Caton in Clamel yesterday. Some of their secondary school students were involved in a STEM competition uh, where you might remember they were developing and building a Formula yeah. One car. Sure. Well, here, I think this class here might just have upped that because there is six class students here. The most incredible bunch of students I think you could ever meet. And they're involved in the Delvex robotic competition and what they had to do essentially was make design and finance a robot that will take part in national and then hopefully international competitions wow. so just to talk more about that um, I'm joined here by Moontor Orla and Previda Breed as well who are going to tell us more Orla just give us the background to this competition where did you get wind of it how did it start for you thanks um, Alison well um, Joe Carrera from Dell's um, sponsored uh, the robot and brought it into our school a number of years ago uh, so a class previous to this had participated in a competition then COVID happened and it was kind of put to a side. But last year we resurrected the idea and the project on a non-competitive basis. And again, Joe approached us this year and inquired as to whether we'd be interested in partaking in the full competition this year. So we we went for that and we went with all guns blazing and um, we entered the regional competition which was held in uh, Limerick and we... You did very well in that. We did. We came away with two awards and we were delighted with ourselves and that enabled us to go forward for the national competitions which were held in Cork in Porky Cueve last Wednesday. And then we got the amazing news that arising from our performance there that we've qualified for the World Championship which will be held in Dallas in May. That's fantastic. And how will that work then? Will you, you, I presume you won't all travel over for that? Or how will that work? Well, at the moment, it's an open, um, an open kind of invitation yeah. for everybody to play with. Not everybody is available, but at the moment, it's an open um, ticket. So we're not like, let's say, limiting it to a core group of four or anything like that. And that, we're assessing the feasibility. It will be a huge undertaking. Um, we're having a lot of discussions with the parents, but obviously we would have to seek you know, funding from a much wider pool, um, um, probably corporate business, uh, private funding. I know we have set up a, already an I donate page, um, but that's, uh, you know, but it doesn't take away from whatever we decide to do there. The, the children um, in partaking in the project have just achieved 
you know, an amazing um, thing. And each of them have been divided into different groups and they were all um, involved in different aspects of the project. And those different teams as well, they're quite varied. So you have almost engineers, drivers, then those involved in finance and marketing. So it's really complex and diverse. Yes, we had builders, drivers, programmers, an engineering logbook team that chronicled the journey, a finance team that raised um, funds, the drivers themselves. And finally, um, we had a group that uh, produced a STEM project a totally different aspect looking at patterns um, of mathematics visible in nature. And what was the, the, the kind of the mood among the kids as he went into this? Because I think when you mentioned STEM, maybe maybe it's just people of my age bracket, but you'd be a bit intimidated. Like STEM can often be a bit intimidating. Not for these children and especially in our school. We have a badge of excellence for STEM in our school. Uh, we have uh, 64 iPads. We have a show at uh, We have the VEX programmable Lego and I was daunted as a teacher but Joe assured me that leave it to the kids they'll do it they'll hack it they'll handle it and true to them um, you know they they're not as intimidated as maybe we are and they like many of the awards that we won and the recognition that we have gained is uh, particularly uh, with the success in the coding and it was the children themselves that uh, have achieved that of their own accord. That's incredible. And we're going to speak to some of the students in a moment. But uh, Privy de Breed is also with me. You were telling me there's a great tradition of STEM and technology in this school. Tell us some of your, your former students. Yes, some of the pupils that would have come through this school um, were very involved in the Young Scientist competition. Um, we had... Um, John, Patrick, Tommy Collison, they attended this school here and of course they were very successful and have gone on to um, form the company Stripe, um, which is a corporate entity and has done very well. So um, I suppose pupils similar to the Collison's, you know, have passed through here, have gone on into careers in science um, and technology. But um, this particular group of children this year are most impressive, not only for their scientific knowledge, but also for their communication skills and all that yeah. they have gained through this project. There's huge value to be found in, in um, a project like this. Um, you have business skills, you know, and I think there's a great sense of community even amongst the staff here in the school and also with the parents. Um, outside of the school as well, you know, that yeah. we've had a lot of support, financial and otherwise, from the parents to get this far. Yeah. So we would be looking to the wider community to try and um, do more to get to the world finals, hopefully in Dallas. But um, we have also had other schools in here visiting for the display of the VEX Robotics and even, you know, a school up the road, the CBS there had also given us a hand, you know, lending us a controller and so there's a great uh, team spirit about and uh, we would hope as representatives of County Tipperary that the whole county will get behind us and support us in our venture. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And we're going to talk to some of those students now. Uh, we'll start a very important role in the Finance Committee is young Harry. Harry, tell us about the role that you played in this. 
Uh, well, we at the start of the project, we had to uh, uh, get raise some money to um, be able to afford uh, the VEX pieces and uh, the uh, bus trips to the competitions. So we try, so we tried to get sponsorship um, from companies uh, that have links to our school. And fortunately, we got enough money to be able to pay for the the VEX. Um, the vex uh robot uh pieces and the all the other vex pieces and we were able to uh fund the bus journeys to the regional and national competitions well done but did you have to bang on the doors a few times or were the businesses all very happy to deal with you uh there's we some businesses we didn't get responses from but most of them were very kind to us and we were um able to raise the money. Good man. I like, do you know what? I like that you put in that there. So any business in Nina, maybe around Tip who hasn't uh, maybe added to this yet, you, you definitely need to. And I'm sure after this, you hopefully will. Kevin, then you were involved on the STEM team. What did that involve? Uh, so for the STEM team, we were, um, uh, we had to make and des uh, design a video and it had to include um, a a pattern in nature to, uh, that includes maths to solve a problem in our lives and we first started out with the Fibonacci sequence but as we finished that project we realised that after we read through the terms again that it didn't solve a problem so then we tried with spider eggs but that only really lasted two days because there wasn't enough information so then we started so then we started on the Pythagorean theorem and that's how we did it we we designed a stair for our attic and because there was loads of junk in our classroom and uh, we had there was loads of clutter so we designed the stairs to be able to go up into the attic what kind of a stairs it was um a right angle one and there was each rung was 12 inches and we it was it took us around three months and then we had to design design and like edit a video to put up and it had to be four minutes and if it was like a second over it, we would be disqualified did you find any of it difficult or did you love it? Uh, it was lovely to do, but it was difficult yeah. in some ways to try to meet all the aspects and the standards. Okay, and Irla's here as well. And tell me your role in this. It was to do with the logbook, wasn't it? Yeah, so our job was to basically write down everything that happened during the VEX project. So say like the obstacles and accomplishments we achieved during the VEX competition, during the VEX, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was that difficult to do? You were writing almost every day then and that just to, to keep account of everything that you were doing because that's part of the competition as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, we also had to set kind of times where we each wrote a piece of paper. So um, say, for example, we set a calendar on the iPad and then we set dates for each person to write. So say I wrote on the 20th and then two pages on the 20th and then the next, yeah. Did you enjoy doing it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, it was a great experience. And is STEM then something you'd like to get into then in the future because of this? Uh, yeah, it's like quite interesting, like all kind of different aspects of STEM. Yeah. yeah. Avian is next. Or is Lauren? Lauren, sorry, Lauren is next. Lauren, you were involved in the coding. Now, coding to me is, is I, I couldn't understand any of it. So how was it for you? I know you're a different generation and you're a tech generation, but was it difficult? Was it something you enjoyed? I absolutely loved being a coder, but when I first started out, it was as much of a mystery to me as it would be to anyone. I had to do... Uh, as the coding like on the coding team we had so much to do we had to try and figure out our strategy we had to measure everything and we used a lap um, a computer in the corner of our classroom and we used several iPads as well to use the VEX app 
and it was just a really difficult journey um, as all of us try to do it but I think we managed to do it quite well. Because there's part of the competition where it's self-drive and then it's yeah, yeah, you use the coding for, for the is it not the manual drive you have the, the phrasing for it better than I would now just tell the two aspects of the driving in it. Uh, well there's the driving with the controller which would be the actual drivers themselves and then yeah. there's the autonomous mode. Yeah, yeah, which is, would be the coding. So that's what you were involved in then. Did you did you enjoy it or was it very difficult? I've always had an interest in coding, but I think I really got to explore it more with the, with the VEX and I enjoyed it so much. I really found it very interesting. It's a great way to get kids involved in STEM as well, isn't it? It really is. And yeah. I think I'd like to have a job related to coding somehow when I was older. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a great um, example of, of what a project like this can do in, in terms of encouraging kids to get involved. Uh, Evie, and then you were involved in the building of it. Tell me what your role was. Um, well, we started off building our robot in October um, and we were a bit behind schedule. Um, but then we, we started building a basic hero, a basic bot, and we thought it wasn't uh, good enough and not to our expectations. So we decided to modify um, our robot, and after going to regionals and nationals, we got inspired by others, um, other schools' robots, and then when we got home, we um, made our robot better for the next competition. Did, when you started, did you have an idea in your head of what you wanted your robot to look like, or was that something that developed all the time? Um, I'd say it kind of developed every day, like, because we got new ideas like every day after looking at other people's robots on, on online and in the regionals and nationals. Now, I know there's a bit of a course that the robot has to take. So tell me, what did you have to think about when you were building the robot? What did it have to do for you? Well, the robot had to go around in an arena and to knock all... Um, the, we, they had to knock dispensers and there was discs in the dispensers and we had to knock it out of it, out of the dispensers, and we had to push them under the under a bar and um, it was also difficult because um, the robot had to be a certain size and a certain length. Oh god that was tough then Gordon was it? Did you any, ever face any problems with it or any hurdles with it? Yeah we had a lot of trial and error we had we, we made four versions of our robot wow. and the one we have now is our fourth one. Are you happy with this one now for the internationals or do you think it's, it's going to have some adjustments before the the big day? Well, it's really good now, but we, I, we, I probably think we will modify it even more. What are you going to do to it, or is that a bit of a trade secret? Can I ask you that? Um, well, we might make a better arm, and we might be able to push the discs under, under the bar even further. Okay, and uh, Reese then is here with me. Reese is one of the Lewis Hamiltons of the group. He's one of the drivers. Reese, tell me what your role is. Yeah, um, I drive the robot. It's, it's quite simple, but like it's quite difficult at the same time. Um, it's like uh, at the start, it was like it was like we, me and Alex were like struggling to get around the course and like getting all the the discs down and getting back in the, under the bar. And but um, as as more as we pro progressed, um, it got easier and uh, a little bit easier. And like so, every thirty seconds we have to change. Yeah. And um, Alex always goes first since he's good at getting the two blue sensors and then and then the yellows and then I go for the purples and get them under the bar and then at the the arm that um the long arm it goes over the contact uh, zone and then that will give us double the points that was already in that zone okay would you be a fan of video games yes would does that help with this yeah, yeah. a lot because <laughs> it helps with you know using the controller and stuff yeah. i imagine does it it does do you enjoy it i do how are you feeling about the competition coming up now are you nervous are you really excited 
Uh, kind of the both. Yeah. It's nervous and a bit excited. I think you'll do great. You'll do absolutely amazing. Who I want to talk to as well, friend, who's here is Joe Carrera, and he's from Dell, and they're actually here. It's a big day today because all the media are here. Nina Gardy and everything is here. Um, so they're all showcasing it today. But Joe, you're down from Dell. What was Dell's involvement in this with the school? Yeah, so um, our involvement was to sponsor the, the robot into the school. Um, we've got four robots in Nina right now. Um, this was the second school that we brought the robot into in, in Tipperary. And the program itself was um, started 10 years ago in Cork. Uh, we just eight schools. Um, and right across the country now we have 150 teams now. So 250 teams involved um, between primary and secondary. So, you know, for us, I mean, you can see how talented these yeah. group of students are. It's the same with other students. So they get so much out of the program. Um, you know, we explore programming and things that we normally wouldn't expose, be exposed to at this age. And for, you know, a tech company like Dell Technologies um, to have the future is bright when you, yeah. see, when you see the talent that comes out of this and, and the enthusiasm for the program. Uh, do you know what? It's even to see the confidence in all the kids, even not just when it comes to STEM and technology, but, how, you know, speaking to them, they're so confident in and so proud of what they've done. And, and you could, yeah, you can see here, like, They've done this themselves. Uh, the, the teachers obviously are involved in terms of encouragement, but every time I visit a school, um, the sure enthusiasm, the self-driving uh, of them to explore how to do it themselves, and yeah. they've done it here. They need to figure out the strategy. This is a very complicated game. The drivers have a massive task here. The program is the same. I've said it to all the schools that I visited. This is probably one of the hardest games this year, and it will be different next year. So it continuously challenging schools. And what makes it difficult? This particular game, there's lots of different elements to it. So they have to tip the, the discs onto the arena. They have to decide then whether they capture the discs or whether they push them under the bar. They've also got a dispenser that you have to spin in order to, to, to take them out. You have to push, pull. Um, and then all the dispensers are all over the arena, so you have to kind of, especially for the programming, you have to navigate around those dispensers. So it's a very challenging game. Um, also, there's lots of opportunities to get disqualified, and the strategy team would have looked at the rules, understood the rules. I don't think you've got any warnings or at the events. The events themselves are taken quite quite seriously. We're we partnership. Uh, we're in partnership with MTU and Mary Eye as well um, uh, for the for the events. So yeah, it's it, look. Yeah. It kind of ro reminds me of Robot Wars a little bit. It, it is, except without the wars, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we don't have any robots falling yeah. apart. Um, but it is or battle bots if some of you yeah. might have Netflix as well at the minute um, it, you know it's it's a similar but different what's important here is what you know I start to almost get emotional at the uh, the level of interaction that the kids are for me that that's yeah. why I do it. it it's just you know from a volunteer perspective when you see the confidence when you see what the kids have gotten out of this program uh, that's that's why we do it Absolutely. And Munto Orla, then I might finish up with you then as well. For anyone listening this morning, not just in Nina, but across the county, is there anything they can do to help support you or, or drive you on a bit more? Well, as we said, having qualified for the world finals in Dallas, we are uh, facing a huge uphill struggle because the finals are on uh, are running from the 2nd to the 4th of May. That's within eight weeks. So we have to decide quickly how um, can we bring everybody, uh, uh, obviously for children of this age, that also includes uh, bringing an adult uh, with them as well. So we are now seeking uh, a lot of 
help and support and we would be so grateful to um, the corporate world, to the business sector, um, to anybody listening to help us out because I suppose if you dream big, you know, where, where can that take you? So we have an I Donate page um, and we are sharing that on our school Facebook page, our school Twitter page and our school website and I suppose if everybody was to send it on and yeah. spread the word as far as we know we're the only Gwell school uh, we're the only school we know we're the only school in Tipperary that has qualified and in the Midwest region so um, we're dreaming big and yeah. we really hope that we can make this a reality for this group of exceptionally uh, talented kids it would be such an experience to bring them to Dallas and to uh, partake um, in the world championships there's already schools from Taiwan Australia New Zealand America so we'd love to have an Irish school there and, and it'd be great to have everyone there because everyone was involved in this as well. absolutely absolutely and we were delighted there's no upper limit so it's all about what can we achieve yeah. but the time frame is just so tight it's it's a huge ask but as I said dream big and we'll see absolutely and uh, we'll put the details as well up on the uh, tip FM page as well on how people can donate but from here we've one last shout to give off you go Help us get to Dallas. that's it that's back to you in studio all right, thanks, Ali. Uh, that was our own Alison there out and about for us uh, this morning at Gaelskull Enoch in uh, Nina. And uh, great, great stuff there altogether. It's marvellous what's happening nowadays. Um, 1800 I'll take a break. Back in a sec. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to uh, Tip Today. And uh, can I just bring you something from uh, Councillor David Dunn, who was on to us uh, earlier on. And that's uh, David, of course, is a Sinn Féin councillor in Carrickenshire. And he says, in light of the unfortunate fire at Wexford General Hospital and uh, gladly nobody was hurt. He said, I'd like to think that St. Bridget's Hospital in Carrick and Shure can now be opened to alleviate the problems of the unfortunate events at Wexford Hospital. That's in from uh, Davy Dunn uh, today. 083 Time now for our weekly health slot and I'm glad to be joined as usual by Muriel Cuddy who is CEO of Marito 8020 Clinic in Clanmel. How are you Muriel? I'm great Fran, you? I'm very well indeed. Good to see you today. There was um, some research during the week published about kids. Will you tell us about that? Yeah and it's funny because I'd had a conversation the previous week uh, with somebody in Dons, a friend of mine that I went to primary school with and then this came up and it was like the whole lot kind of coming together but yeah there was a recent study earlier this week I think that kids as young as five are being diagnosed with eating disorders and I just thought oh my god um I just feel like the whole world is like collapsing down around us, to be honest. And the, the friend that I met, we actually had a conversation. She's four kids like mine and they're mm. similar ages or whatever. And we would come up through primary school together, farming backgrounds and all the bits. So we were yeah. out doing hay and doing all the different things you do um, in primary school. And we both just spoke about the fact that like we don't ever remember what we wore. 
we don't remember what we looked like. Like I remember I was a chubby kid at a certain time. I can't remember when it was, but I remember I was. But I don't remember any of that. I don't ever remember being ridiculed or I don't remember even like the foods. You literally came in and you were fed and you went off again and you were hunted outside. It's just such a different world. And like that's not like a hundred years mm. ago, you mm. know. And we both said the same, like to rear kids now is really hard. And for the kids, it's really hard. And mm. then when the study came out, I just thought, God love the parents because I suppose we set the example or we think we do and we live with guilt nearly 24-7 once you have kids and then if your child is diagnosed with an eating disorder where do you go? Yeah and we, we heard from Katrina yeah. earlier on now I know that's a particularly complex case but I mean where do you go? That is the problem. Well that's it? the thing like like the services are just inundated there aren't enough child psychologists there body wise yeah. is there it's really hard to get through to them so like where do you go? So mm. if you have a child that's a picky eater even forget about the eating disorder side mm. and that's like gone down a whole other mm. whole other avenue but just the picky eaters and coming into teenage years and you know the the, the body image and mm. trying to fit in with your peers and all the bits and pieces like what where do you go so tell us about the picky eater because it's a huge issue for parents out yeah, there isn't it, it is um we weren't allowed to be picky eaters were we so uh, no it's it's fueled to think by the society we're living in today yes. well there was and one dinner and we had to eat and if you didn't eat you were yeah, hungry yeah. literally yeah and I even remember I was talking to the, the girl I met but this as well we were laughing because I remember Mammy brought home steak and kidney pies if any of my gang at home were listening they laugh at this one day and this was a massive treat and like you didn't buy things like that you had a proper dinner yeah. we all hated them we all sat around the table and nobody would eat it and we were left sitting there for about three hours and she was like you're not getting up until you eat it mm. and that was really unusual but like now Nowadays, there's so much choice and I think as parents we feel guilty mm. and we feel that, that we have to they have to eat number one and we're so busy we're not there with them all the time and we're not watching what's happening so if, if they want three dinners well you're there at night at eight o'clock trying to cook three dinners or you're trying to cook whatever it is on uh, at the weekend and that and and if you do that you're going to have the picky eater the fussy eater I think mm. if they're if they're getting their own way so yes and again we're not talking about the complex issue of eating disorders here we're talking about picky eaters we're talking about yeah, yeah yeah kids yeah. that decide I don't want yeah. something yeah. especially when they come to teenage years like it's you know I'm only eating chicken or I'm only eating like one food or whatever it is yeah. and if you don't have it for me I'm not going to eat and they're very good at making us feel guilty like it's your fault or you know I don't want us, yeah. yeah yeah and mm. I don't have the energy and I don't have this and I don't have that you know so mm. I think as parents it's really hard but I think we do and I've said it so many times we do have to parent so you definitely like you can do the one or two meals but you don't do one or two meals every single day because we don't have time for it and we don't have the money that's mm. one of the things but I think if you can get the kids involved and I think especially teenagers from the age of 12 or 13 to say what would you like so if I'm shopping now for the week what do you want what, what do you want me to buy yes. so forget about the rubbish I'm not doing that but do you want chicken do you want turkey do you want fish do you want potatoes do you want rice do you want pasta what do you want right and then when the food is bought right what dinners would you like and then if you can try and even plan around them that you're given a little and they're coming a little to meet you at least if it's done then it's there right, for so there's them. a compromise there's a compromise yeah. yeah and I find the other side of what works really well Fran for that age group is more like buffet styles so if you are cooking that you can do like a couple of veg or you can do a couple of even a couple of options that you're putting in bowls so there are extra oh, colour and there's extra whatever yeah. so they pick what they want themselves because I know in my world my lads are all different they mm. eat different amounts or whatever and if I put a big amount on one fella's plate it's just he's gone straight away so if they can pick themselves they're due pushing them just take a little chicken and take a little whatever and take and eat until you're full and don't say you need to stay eating that's right. one of the big deals so instead of presenting them with a plate load of stuff they yeah. they they, they and they yeah. choose themselves and yeah. if they don't want it they don't want it but mm. you do I, do I think you do need to say unless you're worried about them um, this is it now for the next couple of hours or whatever 
because mm. you get this I'm starving like you're not starving like you've no idea what it's like to be starving like none of us do anymore in this world it was funny actually um, there's a guy on I think he's on American Telly and he's on one of these programmes like The Biggest Loser or whatever mm. and he's the doctor so he looks after the people that come in that are grossly overweight so you're talking about like 25 or 30 stone or whatever and one of the girls that came in she sat on the chair and she leaned back and she took a big deep breath and he stood and he looked over who's a small little guy with glasses anybody that watches it'll know who I'm talking about and he looked and he said you okay? and she said no and he said what's wrong? and she said I need food I haven't had anything to eat in whatever and he said if you didn't eat for the next four years you wouldn't need food you need water and he handed her a bottle of water. Wow. I just laughed and I thought... And how did she react She that? just looked at him like you ten heads. Like they, they, they put themselves into that position to lose weight and he's right. very much to the point. He doesn't doesn't beat, beat around the bush at all and he just goes straight in for it. And I just laughed and I thought that's like what we need in this world, literally. Yeah, tough, <laughs> tough love. Tough love, I think yeah. so, I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kids will tell you they're tired and they're this and they're that and the, the other, but like you're trying to help them on one, one level. They're mm. bound to be tired on the other level if they're not. You speak about the likes of chicken, uh, Muriel. I mean, it's all fine and very well, but the moment you bread that or put it in goujons or something, do you, you take away from it? Is you that do, the way completely, it is? And you do. kids love that. And you type know, of it's stuff. The, it's the saturated fat, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm listening to people all the time saying about air fryers and they have air fryers and mm. everything. There's no. Um, there's no reason any child can't cook with the air fryer now. Mm. It's safe. It's and fantastic. It, isn't it? It's fi- safe and you can put yeah. anything you want into it, literally. So show them at the weekend from the very beginning how to make their own. So like get your breast of chicken, coat it in egg yolk or whatever and, you know, put it in your own brown bread crumbs mm. or even if it's white bread crumbs, but you're using no saturated fat. And right. it's a saturated fat that's killing all of these foodstuffs that we don't want to meet. And, and like, if they're not eating right, like the hormonal imbalances, like, and I was just, I was doing this, a piece on this with somebody yesterday, like mm. the hormonal imbalances are there big time. Um, if kids are missing things like vitamin D, vitamin B6, vitamin B12, um, the omega-3s, vitamin C, there's a lot of different things that, that these these vitamins control. So like vitamin D um, controls the production activity of estrogen and progesterone, because they're the two main hormones like within the female and, you mm. know, mm. Um, and, and also the male body to keep balance. So they regulate insulin levels as well. So like that's just vitamin D. You get that like from fish, you get it from egg yolks, you get it from different, now if they need to supplement, if, if a child isn't getting it or a teenager, yes, definitely mm. supplement. If you talk about omega-3s, like they help absorb um, oh so many different things. Heart health, they're an energy source, source. they help absorb the fat soluble vitamins. If they haven't enough or omega-3s in their body, their brain doesn't work properly. Stress, anxiety, depression, all of these things happen. So like there's so many different ones, like your B vitamins again, um, what is it? Oh, sorry, vitamin C. That's the one I, the one I really wanted to talk about. The cortisol levels, your adrenal levels. Um, it protects your testosterone levels in men. So even lads as they're grown and that kind of thing, that's vitamin C. They're immune system, um, their stress, anxiety, uh, their body, the level of information rises, so they're not able to mm. cope as this much. This is vitamin C This now. is just vitamin C. Okay. And vitamin C, like, is your fruit and veg. That's your fruit and veg. So, like, they have to get a certain level of these into mm. them. If they're not getting them, get it even through juicing. Get it through, like, whatever way you think you can. And if they're still not getting it and they are very fussy, then supplement. Do get a supplement. Like, now, I know we only we think we only get about two thirds of the supplement, sometimes only one third, mm. but it's still better than nothing. And then if you're talking about vitamin B12, so that's energy, it's a brain booster and it also affects your thyroid. And these are things like that can have long-term effects, you know? And then your vitamin yeah. B6, that's your nervous and your immune system, but that's also um, your PMS symptoms. So your premenstrual symptoms um, and it's also your mood swings. So like if, if you have boys and girls there that are not eating properly or not eating a decent diet and you're wondering why they're anxious or why they're cross, or you're wondering why their immune system's on the floor and they have a cold after cold after cold. If you're not getting the food into your body, Fran, 
just nothing is going to work. And it was much simpler years ago, but they were yeah. getting all of the nutrients that you're referencing there. Is, it, is sure, that we had the three say? meals a day. Yeah. Like We had yeah. a breakfast, so yeah. it was cereal. We had a dinner, which was whatever. You always had veg and you were made to eat your veg. Yes. You know, like we had our favourites, whatever. We had our meat, we had our potatoes. And then in the evening time, it was always a tea of some sort, wasn't it? Was it eggs or I can't even remember, but yeah. it was a sandwich uh, with something. Now we it, call and that superfoods and stuff. Yeah. We, you oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. These are nutrients. And like one of the things, and it's a word that came into my head, the gatekeeper. We are the gatekeeper for our own houses. Mm. What we bring into the house and the examples we set are what our kids, how they come through. And I had a lovely buy-in yesterday. He was about 22 or 3. He just wanted to go through his diet. He didn't didn't feel super and he wanted me to go through his diet. And I said about fizzy drinks. And he said, no, I don't have fizzy drinks. He said, we never had them at home, so um, I, I, they don't, they don't interest me. And that yeah. line just stayed with me. That is the way it is, isn't it? Right, so if it, if it doesn't happen at home, well, you know, it might happen. Well, we're the gatekeepers, yeah, aren't we? Yeah. We're the people that bring the food into the house or leave yeah. the food into the house. But so you like see, you know, it's the old thing and we discussed it on the programme loads of times, you know, are we their friend or their parent? That's exactly, yeah. yeah. And we try and be the friend and I know it's the guilt thing again because even I had down here the um, restaurant meals or the takeaways and everything and they're yeah. like so many of them living on them lately to even try and introduce the fake away that you can do it at home or show them how to do it at home. But why should we really? Because mm. we don't need it. Like the, the mm. amount of food and the different tastes, whatever. Normal, honest to goodness food, even 70 or 60% of the time at home is a big deal if they can eat that. Yeah, but I mean, anywhere you go, you look at a restaurant menu and you see kids' meals and you're going to see breaded goujons and all sorts of junk and, and, and chips. And, you know, I mean, so mm. it's not catered. For, I saw it happen in hospitals, would you believe, as well. Yeah. It's not being catered for properly. Oh, I just, that's what I said to you a minute ago. I think the whole world is coming down around us. Like, I yeah. think it's it's so hard. Like, I have my gang and I am fighting with them 24-7. Everybody's eating sausage rolls, ma'am. Everybody's getting chicken fillet rolls. You know, the lads are going to the Parnell after whatever basketball game. Can I mm. go to the you know, yeah. I'm listening to it 24-7 but all I can do is I've gone to the stage now even with them that they know themselves I've given them the level of learning and I'll message back and I'll say go if you want but you know what it does to you you've got a match tonight you play badly in that match tonight don't cry to me in the car when, you, when, when we're on the way home you put on weight that's not my fault you know you're not mm. you know, that's mm. not good for you and then when we're having something later on, well, you won't deserve a treat on Friday night if you're going to be eating like that all week. So it right. has to be one of those. So I'm very, I'm very plain or very whatever. Right, but you, know. you do point to the treat on the Friday night. Is that it? Oh, yeah, that I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. And yeah. I, I say a treat is a treat. And I do say to him, another thing I do is, the, and I, I'm better at this lately, when I was really busy, I went off the, off the whatever, the bile for a little while with it, but sit down for one meal if it's possible. And it doesn't even have to be a meal um, in the day. And for me now, it's not breakfast, lunch or dinner because we're all just too busy and we're going 10 different ways it's more like supper so it's nearly now at 9 o'clock at night or halfway to 9 o'clock at night um, and it doesn't even have to be very much but I say to the boys right we're sitting down what would you like and I try and pick healthy whatever I give them two or three options mm. and I make that for them and we sit and we have to sit for 45 Together minutes or whatever. Family, which is yeah. so important, isn't yeah. it? Uh, Joe is making an interesting point. He's wondering about some of these issues with food. Are they genetic in some way? Um, what, what about that? What, what's your experience of that? I mean, um, like if your mom or your dad has an issue with food, would you have an issue with food? Yeah, but I think it's, it's, it's and I suppose it's from my it's experience. Culture, is it? what, what it, you... It's nearly monkey see, monkey yeah, do. Yeah to yeah. be honest. Um, can you change genetics? No, you can't really. But if you're if, if you're presented with good food and you're put in the environment of good food, so if you were dropped out into the middle of the desert and yeah. you only had plant-based food and you had to run after whatever meat and fish to, to eat, you would end up really lean. 
you know, you mightn't gain the fast twitch fibre that that nationality have or whatever, but you would end up lean, fit and trim. It's the foodstuffs that we're presented with. It's what, what, what is around us. And like I said, we are the mm. gatekeepers to it. So what we're presenting and what we're allowing is what we're actually seeing in our kids. And I think if we don't get a handle on it, we can talk about teachers, we can talk about hospitals, we can talk about doctors, mm. we can talk about everybody else. But at the end of the day, there are kids and they're in our house. So I think what we allow... Uh, mm. And what we get back, what we put out is literally what we get back, isn't it? Uh, I'm almost afraid to ask you about this, but I mean, you you alluded to sausage rolls earlier on. They're huge. Everywhere yeah. I go, the sausage rolls available to you. Yeah. How bad are sausage rolls? I'd like this, about 50 grams of saturated fat. There's no, no nutritional qual- qual- quality whatsoever At in all. a sausage roll. No. Like all they're eating is a bucket of whatever, rubbish. Mm. And they'll be hungry again in half an hour because it's stimulating the appetite to eat again. You know, so like the lads are eating the sausage rolls and they still eat their lunch because they need their lunch with it, you know. Mm. Now, that's one side of it. But the other side of it is, was it 61% of girls went on a diet in the last month? That's a paper that came out the other day. Young girls? Young girls, yeah, teenagers. And 21 or 2%, no, 31 or 2% of boys um, went on a diet of some sort. So even though the food stuff is there, God love them. And when they're eating wrong, you're going to look wrong and you're going to feel wrong. So they've all the peer pressure to look a certain way. But all of this food is there presented to them that it's really hard to pass a chip or pass or whatever it is. But if they ate well, there's no need to diet. I had a girl in, um, Fran, this week. Not not this age now, older. Um, All we've done in her world, so she's on antidepressants and feels really miserable for the last however many years she said she was at the end of her tether when she came in to me she heard me here with you one day and something resonated she said right I'm going in I need to take control of my world so she has grandkids and all the bits and pieces we have spent one month working on introducing the foods that she was missing out of her diet and taking out of her diet what we knew was killing her I educated her on the information side of this has to go this is like just flames it's like putting a match into the fire and every time and the pain comes out through the disc in your back that's bulging etc etc she came in me yesterday and I was just blown away by the difference in a month. Her visceral fat had dropped by two levels, her body fat had dropped by 3%, her weight had dropped but that wasn't, it was when she was sitting in front of me, when I looked at her, I just said you're a different woman and she said I am and she said I feel it, Muriel she said I can feel it in every, the aches and pains I can feel it subsiding, she said I feel better, I'm not falling asleep in the couch at night all those sides to it this is our kids Fran they're feeling like somebody that's 55, 60 or 65 as teenagers because they're not getting the food that they need. And this is the um, what is the prerequisite for the chronic illness later on. Because if you start eating the sugars and the sugary drinks and the milkshakes and all the bits and pieces now, you are wide open to the type 2 diabetes and the different illnesses that come down the line right. so and much it's, earlier. It's almost inevitable, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Uh, listen around to say, um, it's goody night on Friday night. I love the way families have names. It's goody night on Friday night. Watching a movie, maybe two small bags of crisps, two small bars and a fizzy drink. The rest of the week, spuds, meat, veg, dinners. Uh, surely that's okay, Muriel, isn't it? It, it is, says here. totally. Like, for me, it's 80-20. I, mm. I talk about that so many times. Yes. Like, my house isn't like an angel house of everything is perfect, mm. whatever, mm. no house can. Ours is the same. Friday night is down tools. It's my glass of wine. Mm. It's whatever food. Yes. Literally, it's pizza. It's whatever. Like, I don't bat an eyelid and even if I don't like the food that they're eating, it makes no difference to me. I don't mm. care. They have whatever it is and if we don't do it on a Friday night, we'll do it on a Saturday night. And we do have an odd takeaway. If the lads want a Chinese or whatever, yeah, they have it. Mm. If they've been good all week and they're training and they're doing that, you know, yeah, there has to be. Right. There has to but be. is it not interesting that 
a treat to us is something that's really bad for us. I know, I know, I know. But you see, it's the country we're in as well. Like if we were in Spain or something, a treat could be like maybe going to a water park or mm, going for a swim mm, or, mm. you know, you could do something that's... You mean weather-wise here? It's uh, Like you yeah. could have an ice cream after a swim. You could do something. But sure, look at what we have here, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have it's a depressing. feeling I have a feeling you're moving somewhere. Don't don't go anywhere on us at the moment. Um we often speak about um uh, the whole aesthetics of of what you do as well. But you're finding an interesting thing with with the um age profile now. Um what what are you finding? Fran, I'm loving it. I am literally um if Mammy was alive, do you know what? Um the, the age profile this week has been like between 17 and 75. That's the most what like from seventy right through Isn't that incredible? sixty five sixty right through Jesus I'm even heading like in that at the other no, side but the loveliest of people mm. like I've goosebumps even like the, the people that have lived life people that have reared kids and grandkids and have been everything to everyone on every single level now at last have time for themselves they're listening to us here mm. and they're actually realizing I can go in and I can do something for myself so the people that have seen this week they've weddings so daughters sons different things coming up in the next few months or whatever which we haven't had for the last mm. terrified of pictures um, my daughter's beautiful the, the, everybody's going to look wonderful uh, I'm not this this kind of thing um, and they're actually realizing well maybe I can look a little bit better maybe I can actually stand into the photographs in confidence I can get a little so something you're talking done about 70 75 yes Wow. Yes. It's amazing. It's it? just fantastic. And for people to realise, in an hour and a half, you can hear it in my voice, because mm. like I had it all day yesterday, mm. and our day was so busy, but we smiled at every single person, because everybody had a story. Mm. And the story going out the door was even more fantastic than it was coming in. But in 90 minutes, the fact that you can actually transform, you can get like a mid-facelift mm. in 90 minutes that's mm. non-surgical, uh, that you can go straight back to work, or you can go back uh, into your world and nobody and knows. are they a bit sheepish when they're coming into you? Are they saying, should I be here? Yeah, or, a bit worried oh my god it's kind of like at my age or you know something along these lines and but the minute they step in it's different because for us absolutely no age is like mm-hmm. i think the oldest person that we have the oldest patient we have now is 89 wow yeah it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's a man. And you see, we, we and it's a man. It's a man, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 89. I've had people in, like, in the last couple of weeks, like, even in relation to hair loss, like, loads of men in on, on different things like that, that has bothered them for the last 10 or 15 or 20 years, and they haven't known where to go. But they actually feel now, well, maybe this is a safe space enough, and I can actually get something done. And You, you know. see, we all presume that when you talk about aesthetics, you're talking about 20-somethings or even mm. even teenagers or whatever. But it's it's that's not your experience. And it's nothing to do with changing your look and looking like the people on social media or whatever. It's nothing to do with that. You walk out the door looking the same as yourself, but maybe 10 years younger. So you're in the mirror like the girls over the week or whatever, literally when when, when they come to me, they're like pulling at their face and they're lifting it up here at the eyebrows and they're lifting, I just want this, Muriel. I just want this, Mm. you know, just something really simple, really subtle. Don't go near my lips because everybody will know if you touch my (laughs) lips, you know. Terrifying. It's so it's good. just a refresh, yeah. Um, one of our listeners pointing to some of the stats you made reference to as well and saying yeah. it came out this week. 85% of kids go to school with their phones. Where are the parents? Um, and uh, same number going to bed with the phones as well. Does Muriel have an opinion on this? Yes, you do. Well, the phones in bed, no, that's definitely a no-no because yeah. the blue light and one of the things I had actually down here in this was we've they've, they've got to exercise to some level and they've got to sleep well. So the mm. balanced diet goes with the two. If they're not doing conventional sport or 
whatever, if it's only something like, will you come for a walk with me? I'd, I'd love you just to 10, 15 minutes, like I've had a tough week. Mm. Can we have a chat? So you even bring him along on that level, but get him exercising. Sleep is massive. They've got to get seven hours uninterrupted sleep. If the phone is under the pillow or it's on the locker and it's dinging away with Snapchat or whatever it is, that's not going to happen, you know? So definitely for me, the phone should be either on the worktop or miles away from wherever the right. child is sleeping. But it definitely has an effect. Oh, it has an effect, yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel guilty now because I, I should move my own. But any, uh, anyway, uh, hypocrisy is, is alive and well. Yeah. If people want to talk to you or any of the yeah. team, Muriel, how, how can they do that? Yeah, so it's 052 614 881. 881, so 052 614 881. Is that it? Okay. Muriel, great to see you as always. Thanks very much indeed. We'll take a break. We're back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Right, some specific questions coming in for a Muriel. If you want to give her a call, she'd be glad to talk to you. It's 52 818 So 614-8881. The winner of our 100 euro voucher is Sinead Kelly from Tranalty. Well done to you, Sinead. And we'll have another 100 euro voucher to give away on the programme tomorrow in association with the good friends at Aramont Furniture in Nina. And they're celebrating their brand new range of garden furniture. And they'll also look after your bedroom and dining room and the living room and they have sofas and accessories. And they have lots of experience over 25 years as well. Now, earlier on this week, I spoke to Alison Devere Hunt about a petition that is up online now. And it's uh, around the issue of uh, we're going cashless in some businesses where they won't uh, take cash at all and you have to uh, use your credit card or indeed swipe or do all of these things. Teresa's with me. Good morning to you, Teresa. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you. You were um, listening to some of this conversation. How do you feel about the fact that well, quite a few places at this point going cashless, Teresa? Um, I like cash, first of all. Yeah. I have always liked cash. I feel once you have cash, you know what you have in your pocket and you probably have more control over how you spend it or what mm. you spend it on. Mm. Um, I don't like... I, I rarely do cashless if I have um, a choice. Yes. And I found during the pandemic, I suppose, because it was tap-tap all the time, I can tell you something, I got a fair land one day when I get, got my account in to discover all these things were adding up. Yeah, it's so easy to spend when you're just tapping the cards, isn't it? It's too easy. It's too yeah. easy. And really, it's it, we, have no con- we have no control, really. Um, it's very easy to pick up something and just tap away. But I, I've always liked my cash. And even, Fran, if I'm going on holidays, mm. I love to have a bit of cash in my pocket. Yeah, I'm I'm the very same as that. And like yourself, I got a ferocious fright during COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> About the amount that I was spending as well, Teresa, it does happen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and and as well as that, sometimes, you know, with all this cashless thing and online, we would be losing the art of talking to people. I'm At the moment, I'm looking into um, cheaper car insurance and house insurance, as we're told to do every year. Yeah. But I like um, the adult conversation that you talk to somebody. I don't like this keyboard. I, I don't do this keyboard thing anyhow. Anybody who knows me will say, oh, Teresa just doesn't do that. I... I fear myself there's a lot of fraud and I yeah. suppose I would love to see what the fraud in banking costs this country long term. 
Yeah, it's interesting. But they're all trying to force you now to do your business online and uh, there's enticements there, like you'll get 10% off your insurance or something like that as well. You know, and I've took this up with various companies when I'm ringing them to say that you're giving a lot of um, great offers um, to, you know, the online. And usually they will roll back. It's just different when you're having a conversation with somebody, you can kind of explain where you're coming from. Whereas when you're online, you really have very little control. And speaking of control, I was trying to cancel. I, I have a, a payment from my credit card to um, a TV platform and I was trying to cancel it last night from the credit card and it's virtually impossible to do. I mean, I'm going to have to go at it again today, Teresa. It's so difficult to do. Oh, good good luck with that. Yeah. That's all I'd say to you because even to, you know, to make a phone call, I, I have to put it on um, loudspeaker because I'll have the dishes done, I'll have the fire done, I'll have yeah. everything done in the house hoovered by the time I will get to speak to um, a human person. You're not afraid to, to speak up about it. You were saying there that, you know, if you're talking to insurance companies, you will. But I know even with businesses, you'll speak up if they're cashless. Oh, yes. Well, um, I was at a cinema last year now. I went to see Elvis, the yeah. story. Great, a great film. But... Um, they said, I was paying 11 euros, brought out my 20 euro note. Oh, God, they said, no, it's cash, it's card only. And I said, what? Thinking that, you know, maybe there was a section that took cash, but actually card only in the cinema in Thurlis. Right. And um, two girls. Now, and I, I kind of said then, could I speak to a manager? Mm. Yeah. And at this, my friend with me got uneasy. She said, Teresa, no, I'll pay, I'll pay out the card. No, I said, I have my card. But yeah. the manager then came out and I just said to him... Um, you wanted to make your pay, point. I wanted to make, you know, cash. And he yeah. said, no, um, no, it's card only. And I said, gosh, you know, I said, I wonder in a year's time, will your job still be here if it's all, you know, card only and, yeah. and all this... But you see what's happening in the supermarkets now where, you know, you, you check out yourself and... Uh, oh, I try and buy them. Yeah. I, I try and avoid them now, to be honest. Well, I do because um, I make a fool of myself and I ended up needed, needing help yeah. anyway. So it's. A, I know, but I yeah. feel as well. But you see, then there's a huge queue up with only maybe where they have two people on the team. That's right, yeah. And, mm. and you see, we're being pushed. You know, we, we had a great Bank of Ireland here in Templemore, Fran, mm. and mm. that was taken away from us to yeah. shut down. It's a huge, huge loss. Where Not do you have to go now, Teresa? Then? Oh, goodness, into Thurlis. And Thurlis, you have to yeah. go in through the town. You have to park. Yeah. And to be fair, you have to look fairly respectable. You can't r- run in in your duds, as we say, from work. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. Um, what, do you I, feel I, obliged I, to be done up and stuff, do you? Well, no, but you feel obliged to... See, Templemore is only six minutes here from Bursley. Right, OK. So I'd be in Templemore every day with work. And I know several times in the Bank of Ireland in Templemore, you'd see farmers coming from the march. They'd park up the tractor and the animals outside, they'd be only in and out in five yes, minutes. With a cheque yeah. or a lodgement or a or whatever. So that's taken away from us because the Bank of Ireland in Templemore, you have to go in through, or in Burris, or in Thurlis, I beg your pardon, the Bank of Ireland in Thurlis, it's situated down at the bottom of the street. Yeah. First of all, you have to face the traffic in. You know yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Fran, you know, traffic is, is difficult in there and then you have to get a parking space and then you have to, to, to cross the street maybe or try and get a parking space at some point. And 
Were you under the impression, Teresa, because a lot of our listeners were, and I had to do a bit of research on it, that because legal tender is cash, that it was illegal not to accept cash. But uh, I discovered that it's not illegal at all once they give notice of the fact that they're cashless. There is no problem. Did that surprise you? Um, it did surprise me. Yeah. I, I suppose it did because I felt that... I don't know what really I felt. Mm. Um, and this kind of all happened under the guise, I think, of the of pandemic. COVID, yeah. I, I think it was used as, um, mm. you know, um, a weapon to bring in all these mm. things or whatever. Um yeah, but I wouldn't be a happy camper, to be honest. I like my cash. Mm. I will use cash as long as I can. <laughs> and there's no point, Fran, in one or two people doing it. I would be saying to everybody, hey, pull out 50 or 60 euros out of your account or whatever um, on a Friday or whatever, whatever people get paid. Yeah. And use that. Have and it in your pocket cash. and use it. Even to tip somebody. Yeah, yeah. Or you, yeah, of course. Or if you, you want to know, give a, give something to a charity or something. Oh, oh yeah. Or if you, do you know if you met a young lad in a shop? Mm. Do you know the way the old-fashioned way you put your hands in, you bring out a five or whatever, yeah. and say buy yourself a bag of sweets. Sure, that's all. That's all gone. And they were great old Irish traditions. Yeah. Oh, they'll find a way around it, I suppose, in some way. Uh, the only thing that might give you a bit of solace is I was reading that some of the Nordic uh, countries who were first out of the trap where cashless was concerned, they're now reverting back. They're now reverting back to a mixture. Well, now, you know? well, I hope we learn a bit. Mm. But, you know, maybe, I don't know, um, are the banks just having a lot of control over our institutions here in Ireland or have we any control over them anymore? I really don't know. You mean in terms of lobbying government and so forth? Yes, so, so. yes. Yeah. I mean, Last year now, when um, a few sections of banks were to be, was the I mean, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, yeah. were to be closed down, but due to intense lobbying and yeah. Yeah. people being very vocal about it, it rolled back. So so maybe the ordinary Joe Soap has a say after all, friend, Pe- if pe- we can get together. People power might work every so often. Teresa, really good to talk to you today and spend that cash wisely, won't you? I will. <laughs> thank you very bye, much. Bye-bye, Teresa. Really take good care. to talk to you bye and bye. thank you. Uh, we'll take a break and then we'll have some live music. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, oh, Jamie was on to make the point that there's still um, an ATM in the spa in Templemore. There is indeed, and to the best of my knowledge, they're doing the post office services as well there. So fair play to them for uh, taking that up, because otherwise the, the, the town would have been really badly damaged by losing all the post office services as well. Uh, somebody else saying businesses that are operating uh, no cash should have large, clear signs before you enter the premises so that you can choose whether or not to a shop there. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. You you might just sort of rock up and, like myself, be a cash head and discover that uh, you can't pay for your, your goods and services. Uh, 1800 Nina Bass, singer-songwriter James McGrath, is heading to the UK to kickstart a tour uh, tomorrow. And I'm delighted to say that he's come from Nina to join us in studio today. James, good to see you again. Thanks for having me, friend. Nice to meet you. How are things with you? Going grand now, thank God. Going since, good. Since we last uh, spoke. Uh, still writing songs away all the time? Yeah, writing all the time. Yeah. Um, this uh, this new song I'm bringing out is one of the older songs, but a new recorded version of it, so 
Mm. Looking forward to getting this out there. Yeah, very good indeed. What, what is your method of, of songwriting, James? Have you a very workmanlike attitude to it, um, or do you wait for the muse to hit? Um, I type a lot of the lyrics into my phone, would you believe? Do you? When I'm in a social setting, I could people would think I'm just texting, but I'm actually writing down lyrics. I find it easy to write around people. Do you? Yeah, I get influence from what people are saying to one another. From conversation? Yeah, so a lot of my ideas go in, actually, when I'm around people. Right. And then I'd put it together kind of when I'm on my own. Isn't that very interesting? Because <laughs> some people would require complete solitude. and. Yeah, but yeah. I find there's more ideas flowing when people are chatting. Right, okay. So I'm um, <laughs> kind of a journalist, <laughs> kind of a way. But isn't that a lovely idea? I never heard of that before, but it's a, it's a really... I can see the point of it, I suppose. It's not all the time, but like we'll say for a lot of the stuff. Right. Especially when some of my older friends would be saying some funny stories from years ago, I'd be writing it down. Right. Yeah. And they might have a great turn of phrase or something. Yeah, like turn of phrase, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'd be on my own writing the song itself, but the hook or something might come from... Yeah. From just a chat. Isn't it great, yeah. What else would influence you along the way in terms of lyrics and melody and all of that? The melody is completely different than, than lyrics. The melody, I find, there's certain days you just can't write a melody. Right. And then there's other days you can't not write a melody. That yeah. There's just one in your head. So I have to kind of wait for the, to be in the mood to write a melody. Because yeah, I know the songwriters all the time, they're asked that question, which comes first, the, the lyrics are, or the melody? I could never write anything in terms of having the melody first. I'd have to work off a lyric. I'd have a melody, but I'd go to lyrics that were already made and I'd would see would they work together sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, they can be, the songs can be different. Like some are like building a wall and the others are like fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of what, what you've been listening to over the years as well, what... What what, what what made you pick up the guitar? Now, I know your dad, Hugh, he's a fantastic musician, so well, maybe he a, helped as well. Yeah, there was a guitar yeah. in the house with dad. Yeah. Um, but I can't rule out mam either. Mam, mam yeah. listens to some great music. So there was always music being pumped out through our house. Was there? And every trip we went on, there was music in the Jeep. and It was just some music on both sides. Yeah, Like yeah. even my aunt, Louise, like, was so into Bob Dylan that that's where I'll... I'd be listening to the lyrics. Right. I'd be reading lyrics. And so are you a Dylan fan? Yeah. Big yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same as that. You're going to do a couple of live things for us. The, the new single is being released on Saturday, is it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm intrigued at the uh, title, uh, though. Penguin Documentaries, yeah. Penguin Documentaries. Where in the name of God did that come from? It's just as literal. I was When I was writing the song, that's what was on the telly. <laughs> that's all it was. That's There's no um, deeper meaning... Right. There was, but it, it turned out to be lovely because uh, if you read about penguins, they're they're interesting. <laughs> yeah, they're very yeah. like us, yeah, aren't they? Absolutely, you know? yeah. So it, it actually turned out very well. <laughs> but um, it's genuinely what was on the telly when I was writing the song, and I needed a hook, and I just said, "Why not say exactly what's going on?" Why not? Mm. It's great. And so you're going to perform it live first, but it will be available from Saturday. Won't yep, it? it'll be on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, all of that. Right. Okay. And well, there's a video out actually. I want to thank Alex Dale my friend who made the video with me. Right, and that will be available from Saturday yep. as well, will it? everything will be ready for Saturday. Right, excellent. So, will you do it live for us today? Absolutely. Oh, we'd love to hear it. This is called Penguin Documentaries. I love the title. What do I write about now When there's nothing going on Will I make up another girl To put in another song Watching penguin documentaries on RTE2 Texting for sympathy and something to do This house smells like drink but not a drop in the place My 
hands are shaking, there's sweat on my face. The bookie pen wasted as I wrote down these lines. Feeling sorry for myself, myself, do you mind? Let's be honest here. I haven't had a good year. Let's be honest here. I haven't had a good year. Cause I'm sick of the man in the mirror. He's always in my way. And if he moved, I might see a little clearer. Oh, but he's criticizing me. Well, I take out my ventil and light up a cigarette. Oh, they say I'm a joke. <laughs> I was no good in school and I can't hold a job I'm the village fool and I'm a dirty old slob I said, let's be honest here I haven't had a good year Let's be honest here I haven't had a good year Cause I'm sick of the man in the mirror He's always in Wow, I think that's great. Thanks, friend. I think that that's among the best <laughs> Thanks. ones you've written so far. Thanks, that's William. Fantastic, yeah. I could see Christy robbing that from you, you know that? I, I'd love to hear him do it. Yeah. I'd love yeah. to hear him do it. I really could see. How much of that is sort of autobiographical? Oh, it's, it's, as, it's as honest as the day is long. Is it, yeah? Yeah. Looking at the man in the mirror. Yeah, that song, I was just, it's dealing with anxiety and sometimes you can get in your own way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And does that happen to you where the music is concerned? I mean, yeah, sometimes you can slow yourself down. Yeah. And you, your anxiety can slow you down. But if, And what, you'd be constantly critical, would you, of absolutely. you and your work? Oh, then? yeah, absolutely. I look back at a lot of stuff I've done and I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough to, to play amongst these songwriters or I need to get back to the roots and get back real and... You'd always be um, questioning, questioning, yeah, and yeah. self-editing, and yeah. My God, but that can be so destructive, James. Oh, absolutely, it, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Um, I found uh, as I got a little older, I'm not as precious, and I kind of try to be a bit more light-hearted with it now. And I'm not. Do you know what I mean? I I try to yeah. have more fun with it. Yeah. So that's why I like. I like that I wrote a lot of them songs when I was younger, and I was so deep. And I still play them, but now that I have a more light-hearted approach, hmm. I can still play them old songs, but not take them as heavy. I was talking to Ellie about this in the office uh, a couple of days ago, and we'd be very similar in terms of, you know, lying in bed at night or something, you, you look back on embarrassments from years ago, maybe single incidents that nobody else gave a hoot about, oh, God. but they still haunt you. Oh, you God, I most of my week could be ruminating on something that happened in the past. That's why it's good to write. Like, I find if you write them down... and. Right. It can help. But yeah, ruminating and going out. No one really cares about what happened. Do you know what I mean? Uh, can you help us with it? Have you come to any conclusions <laughs> why we are so destructive to ourselves, James? Oh, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but I'm definitely going to write about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, I have a song called Bad Bends, and it's actually completely about that topic. Is it? Yeah. 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 And is it, do you think it's a thing with artists more than the general population or no I actually think artists are quite lucky that we get to express it I think most people don't know how to express it and the poor creators are they're bottling it they're up they're bottling it up and they can't tell someone that they were having OCD thoughts or ruminating on something right 
I find artists are lucky that they get to sing about it. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think it's a bit arty, that whole notice, uh, notion of a catharsis. But you, you're saying by writing about it, by getting it out there, that it helps in some way. Yeah, not even writing about it. If you don't write, talk about it. Okay. Talk, genuinely just say to your friend or someone, did you ever get, did you ever think about this or overthink something bad you've done or... It's nine times out of ten, you're usually going to find, yeah, and yeah. you'll have but a laugh over Is that easy among younger guys like yourselves, though? I mean, is it easy to bring up something as profound and not personal and not emotional always. as that? Yeah. No, not always, but you'd, you'd gauge it and you usually have your, your friendly face that is willing to listen. Yeah. It's mm. You hide it extremely well, you know. <laughs> sure, I don't know. No, but do you know what I mean? You're always a very friendly, smiley guy. You 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 hide it well. I'm lucky. Um, I'm lucky. Like if if ten years ago I I was consumed with anxiety. As I got older, I still have it, but um, you kind of learn to live with it. Right. You learn. And in your case, you're using it now. Yeah. You're using it. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. It's my material. main. It's my main muse. That and uh, women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure which cause which. <laughs> yeah, is there an overlap? Yeah, there there's an overlap there somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> Would you do something else live for us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what will I do? You, you know that everybody's going to be reading into whatever lyric you come up with now, you know. <laughs> but you know what? I'll do that Bad Ben song. Do, do, please, yeah. Bad Ben's. Tonight, the decision is to write these worries down. There's no who light, no hope, no who promise can be found. I'm losing control. Anxiety, I fear mortality, an existence of a soul. I'm staring at nothing, but the mind sees all. Imagination is too nice a word to describe my fall And this is my lowest point This is my SOS This is my bumpy ride This is my road And these are the bad bends This is my life And I thank all my good friends This is my oat I'll drive out of these bad bends This is mine And you'll see me again Just facial signs and hands are shaking Within these eyes you see the battle Just dirty looks and ignorance As you hear the change of rattles There's a point of view that someone's thinking Only in their head but they're thinking of it so strong That you hear it loud as hell Oh, there's people in every corner screaming Should I beg, steal, or borrow? Cause in this hole of lonely souls There's no thinking of tomorrow But I will not sign my Hancock No, for me, it's just a bad bend Oh, I will not jot my Hancock For I know there is an end this is my lowest point This is my SOS This is my bumpy ride and This is my road And these are the bad bends This is my life And I thank all my good friends This is my oath 
provided these bad bends and this is mine and you'll see me again the stage is set I'm the clown they keep clapping in a tube That's wonderful. Another wonderful song, James. Really, really special altogether. Thank you. Thanks, friend. Um, James McGrath with us uh, live in studio, by the way, just in case you've just uh, joined us. You're heading off um, to the UK tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Is that a postponement? Were, were you meant to do that? Yeah, we were meant to COVID? do it kind of when we were leading into this whole COVID thing and then the world shut down on us so yeah. this is we're going ahead tomorrow right brilliant to help a god and you're doing a series of dates over there 10 10 days 7 gigs 7 gigs in 10 days right have you done that circuit before um some of them are new but most of them are gigs and places i've been right yeah and are they like songwriter clubs or what what sort of venues are we different talking? actually the first venue i'm i'm playing in is a, is a, is, a, is a good friend of mine he's pub in market drayton called the slopian star and the next night is similar. A good friend of mine in the Sandbrook Vaults. They're in Market Drayton. They're just two pub and amongst friends. Right. Then I'm up. Then Camden in London oh, is right. a good yeah. uh, songwriter venue yeah. called the Green Note. It's a famous venue in Camden, and that's um that's kind of an intimate basement gig. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that. I remember one. years ago there were some fat, fantastic venues in the UK. A lot of those folk clubs and you yeah. know songwriter clubs yeah. and stuff. You know. This 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 Green Note is is kind of a songwriter club. Yeah. That's on the Wednesday night. And the night after that, then I'm actually being filmed and we're going to have a live album in crew. Wow. Yeah, and okay. it's called Ebenezer's, Live at Ebenezer's. Right, so no pressure. Live, no. Live on the night, one shot at it. One shot, yeah. Yeah. God, that's, that's very exciting. So, yeah. a live album. A live album, yeah, that's, we're going to go live at Ebenezer's in, from crew, yeah. Isn't that brilliant altogether? Yeah. When you come back, I know you're linking up with my old friend uh, Tom Lyons. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Whistle This. Yeah, that's um, in, in, the, in Thurless. Yeah, that's to yeah. wrap up my whole tour. I wanted to do it with Tom and he set it up, he worked it around for me. Yeah, so. that's in the Monks now, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah in the Monks, yeah. 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 Great setup. Brilliant altogether. Well, it all sounds really uh, exciting and stuff. And um, the video, does the video uh, thing, a lot a lot of the singer-songwriters I speak to, they're not impressed by the video aspect and they find that difficult. Do you find... The- I'm lucky now with my friend Alex. We, we do have a lot of fun making it. Yeah. Um, I think people will enjoy the Penguin Documentaries video. It shows me crawling the walls and um, my attempt at acting. <laughs> right. Yeah. And any penguins in there as well. You'll see, you'll see little, you'll see little clips of the old telly and the black and white, and me trying to tune in the telly ah, and brilliant. stuff like that. Brilliant altogether. If people want to get hold of Penguin documentaries, it's being released on Saturday. How how can they do that? Um, if you really want to help me out, I'd be hoping to try and get it on the iTunes chat. So if they could download it on the iTunes chat or listen to it on their phone on iTunes, that right. would be brilliant. And if not, just Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, anything like right. that. You can pre-order. That, you can't, can't you can, you? Yeah. and if you do so in fact that's very useful I know where the yeah. chart is concerned absolutely yeah okay so yeah. if you want to pre-order now or at any time yeah that would be great yeah. that would be great James we're always delighted to see you 
Thanks well, very much. I indeed. love coming here. Thank yeah, you, friend. Well, thank you very much indeed. And a fantastic talent. And I can't wait to hear new material as well. Thanks very much indeed, James. Thanks so much. Uh, the new single is called Penguin Documentaries. Look out for it and look out for James as well. That's it for me. Emma produced. Ali looks after our content. Uh, Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel. And I will talk to you live tomorrow from uh, Central Clan Bell. And I'll tell you all about that in the morning. Look after yourselves, won't you? Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.